2: Uh, We have a chance to try to extend our season record to 12 games, uh, and that's important for us, and that's the only thing that's really pretty much on on my mind, and I think that speaks to the masses when I say that. You know, the defense is playing great, the special teams are getting great field position, you know, the offense is winning, uh, the point of attack, uh, we find ways to win. can't get to there until you take care of what's
3: next
2: i want to be number one I do you think be. you are the best right now at the time in life and where i'm playing it, yes
4: yo what's the deal panther fans it's your boy tony dunn they call me the professor it's the c3 panthers podcast it's tuesday night the 40th episode of the season in our sixth year as a podcast. It's crazy that we've already done 40 shows already. Tonight's show is gonna be a fun one. Tonight's show is Panthers Sink Bucks and face the Pittsburgh Steelers in prime time. And I'm here to
5: chop it up with my homeboy, Cody Lashney. What is up, my friend? Tony Dunn, my Panther brethren. We're coming off of another Big W, and the chat room is already lit. Underground West, Moneybags Lawson, Terrence Murray. We're ready to go. We have so much to talk about. Uh, this game could not be bigger on a national stage against Pittsburgh, and nothing to it but to do it, baby. Let's go.
4: Panthers sink the Bucs and look to face the Pittsburgh Steelers in the national lights on Thursday night football. And while the Panthers tease the Bucs with hope in the second half, they really mollywomp the Bucks to the point of sending them into an existential tailspin. It's a performance, however, that has spun up conversations about Cam for MVP, has put the Panthers in the conversation as Super Bowl contenders, and really... If you look at the way the Panthers played in that first half was the caliber of play that we uh, hear people talk about with the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Rams. We're going to be asking, will that momentum continue on Thursday as the Panthers face a healthy Pittsburgh Steelers team who seem to be hitting their stride at this point in the season? And we're going to figure that out tonight with special guest Tony Serino from the Locked On Steelers podcast Go ahead and follow him at Steelers Country and give him a welcome. He's going to be joining us at a half past nine. But before we get into all that, we do want to encourage you to support the podcast by turning your phone to portrait mode, smashing the thumbs up, and like the kids say, hit the notification bell. That's actually critical for those subscriptions turning into views. And every time you help us grow this podcast, you help grow Panther Nation. Share the show on social media, subscribe on iTunes, tune in, uh, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcast, rate us, all of that. Like I said, help us grow the show. And if you feel pretty cool, you can support us on Patreon or through PayPal. All of that is in the show notes, along with all the sweet swag that we that we are kind of pedaling on a very slow and steady basis just to float the website cost. So we appreciate all the support. You guys have done a fantastic job in making this the most interactive podcast on, in Panther Nation, and you've done that by participating in the Cat Calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. We'll feature your takes later on in the show and where we get, we let you guys drive the conversation and let us know what we need to be talking about, what we need to be thinking about and what we need to be asking about. We're going to get to that in just a little while. All right, Cody, the Panthers put the Molly Womping on them 42 to 28. And while they did allow a little glimpse of hope in the third and into the fourth quarter, really the Panthers we're steamrolling the Bucks, and I don't think it was ever as close, even when it got down to one score. It was momentary. It was a momentary hiccup, but the Panthers were firing on all cylinders and beating that tail. That first-half team, Cody, I believe we can put in the conversation with the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Rams.
5: Yeah, how are you not at this point? I mean, if you think about it, you know, we beat Baltimore, which is the number one defense in the NFL. And then, and people forget this, and even it's kind of changed my opinion on what happened last Sunday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the number one offense in the NFL. And it almost doesn't seem right, you know, because there is Kansas and there is the Saints and the Rams and all these high powered offenses, uh, offenses in the NFL. But Tampa Bay was number one. And yeah, they put up a lot of points on us. But, man, we finished strong. And that is indicative of a championship football team. This team is very good. It wasn't as complete of a football game as Baltimore was, but it was a damn good performance and certainly one that we needed going into this first set.
4: I think it was just as complete if we would have stopped in the first half. <laughs> right? It would have been. I mean, yeah. it was everything was working in the first half, whether it comes to special teams, there it comes to – uh, the offense could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. I tell you one thing, the Bucks statistically might be, uh, might have been the best offense in the league, but I tell you, the Panthers look like they could have been the best offense in the league in that game, doing all types of things. And like we said, in, what was the one word you used in the postgame show to describe that offensive scheme, Cody? Uh, miss. miss- misdirection misdirection they got all the eyes looking everywhere now this was uh, like i said the the defense you know kind of had a little trouble in the second half but also they were not helped by the offense either when you got into that third quarter and the panthers go from one of the best teams uh in the league to the third quarter where they were one of the worst teams in the league they were having trouble putting together a drive gaining a first down and at the same time the Bucks were mounting a comeback now Cody the reason the Bucks are the number one offense or were I don't know if they are anymore those first three games of the season they came out like gangbusters on offense when you had Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic doing all of those things early on and then their latter games they're so far behind all they can do is chunk it up So, you know, you kind of pad the stats a little bit. But they had a lot of weapons on this team. And look, I mean, guys like James Bradbury showed up big time in this game. Dante Jackson continues to play out of his mind. And then these guys are playing so well. Eric Reed getting his first pick as a Panther. These guys are so playing so well that we forget that we've got two of the two, of the probably the best linebacking core in the league, and definitely the best in Luke Keekley and one of the best in Thomas Davis. That's crazy when those guys are getting
6: overshadowed.
5: Yeah, and you know I feel even more comfortable than I did before, uh, considering our backfield. I mean, I genuinely feel that from 2013 to now. I mean, you are looking at what I feel is the most potent backfield, defensive backfield that the Panthers have had in a long time. Uh, we're going to play a video in a little while from uh, Brian Baldinger, and he seems to think that Dante Jackson is the defensive rookie of the year. And that's why I'm more hopeful, because in the NFL right now, and especially in our division, they're throwing the ball downfield, man. Uh, Atlanta, the Saints, we just played Tampa. You have to have a competent backfield to not only lay the boom on them, but take the ball away. And we have almost as many takeaways this season as we had all of last year. So there's a lot to really love on this Panthers defense. And, yeah, when you have number 59 roaming the middle, uh, moving the line, uh, being the captain and commander of our defense, I mean, yeah, I'm going to put my trust in them all the time. They've earned it, and I still think they're getting better uh, even at race nine of the NFL season.
4: Craig McCoy in the house. Relly Rel in the house. Rex Smith in the house. Carlton Cohen and Nova Black in the house. Welcome to the C3 Podcast. You guys make this show fantastic with a f- great chat in the YouTube comments. If you guys aren't there, you got to get in there. That's where the action is. And on the cat calls line, the number's is 252-228-5098. Look, this beatdown, this offense was um so impressive Cody this is the reaction that it leaves the bucks fans and i will i will encourage you guys if you want to listen to a guy who is especially dramatic um you got to check out the bucks uncensored podcast it's not bad unless you're just thinking about these guys get that excited for the bucks here is how uh, this guy, and I, and I got to look up his name again, but it's Bucks Uncensored Podcast. Here's the reaction to how the Panthers left them. And I promise you, they're not even talking about the game, Cody.
6: I'm, I, I, I don't even want to hear a debate over the quarterback anymore. And there are different ways you can look at it. The Bucks are three and five, which they're done. Okay. They're done unless Fitzmagic turns into Fitzmiracle, which we don't anticipate happening. And I'm not going to sit here and just debate the quarterback thing every fucking week. Because here are the real issues for this team. Refusal to properly address the run game. No chemistry on defense. The, the, The players on defense, they don't know what they're doing. They're overthinking. And any coach that I had little league growing up said the whole point of practice is so that when it comes to the game, you don't have to think, you just react. It is clear as day to me, and I hope to every single one of you that watches these games, these defenders are thinking they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. Okay? Duffner's not the long-term answer. Mike Smith wasn't the long-term answer. Dirk Cutter is dead man walking. Quite frankly, Jason Light's probably on the way out too.
4: So we got them given up on the season already. We beat them into the coffin already. The guy has gone to the point where he's ready to just clean house. And, um, you know, I I mean, I get what he's saying when it comes to the defense. But when you saw how creative and how athletic that offense was in the first half, I'm telling you, you can't practice for that, bro. You you know what? You can't practice for it, and you don't got the personnel. I don't know if anybody does. The eye discipline that it takes to not bite on any of that. Now you can say they didn't practice because when Cam rolls out in you and then puts that dang, when he just puts the sauce on you and walked up into that mug slowly, we got a penalty on it. uh, So that sucked. But they had no chance in handling that offense, Cody.
5: You know, Tony, last year when we were in the playoffs, I honestly felt that if we were going to make a run at the Super Bowl, it was going to be dependent upon our defense. Now, not only do I feel a little bit better about our defense, even though uh, we're not getting home as much, but now I feel this path with offense, we can box with anyone, man. We can go blow for blow. I mean, the, the amount of weapons that we have and the ability to stretch the field vertically and horizontally. I mean, this is a, I mean, I, I have not felt this confident about our ability to move the chains since 2015.
4: I think the Panthers put up one well, maybe the eighth highest scoring game in, in, their, in their history, 43 points. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember a game where we scored more than that, to be honest. So we got to go. You got to dig back deep to find those games. But you're right, is that when you think about playing the Saints, and, and now we've always played the Saints well. Even when uh, one game yeah. at home last year, they just beat us down. But on the road and in the playoffs, we were in both of those games. The offense played good enough and the defense played adequately. But now our defense can play adequately against a team like Drew Brees and we can stick with them. Like you're saying, I feel like even if we are a defensive boxer, if we are a Floyd Mayweather type team at our heart and at our core, now though we have the counter punches and the offense to take you into the corner and put you on the ropes.
5: Yeah, and I, like I said, I didn't feel this way even last year. I mean, it, it, I mean, what a difference one season makes, you know. I mean, and it's not even just. It's not even just DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, but I feel like Jarius Wright has also been um, a, a big uh, dependable. Uh, pick up for us, uh, uh, you know, specifically on third down. He's made some good plays. Um, I, I honestly do feel like it's Christian know, McCaffrey.
4: 20- it's Christian yeah. McCaffrey. This is the Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton show to me. Yeah, still. it really
5: is. And then, and then look, now that uh, I think that we've been reminded what Greg Olson means to this offense, you know, because we didn't have him for a lot last year. And then when he did come back, it kind of took him and Cam a little while to get that connection that they had back. But, dude, I mean, that catch in the end zone where Greg just snatches the ball like that, I mean, that's top two play just right fe- there, man. They're
4: just feeling it, bro. That Like, not only is and, – and this is the thing is finally we get to see Cam Newton not have to do to be magical and to be miraculous. He can just be the great Cam Newton we know he can be, and he is – but he doesn't have to single-handedly win a game anymore.
5: He's just the conductor of the orchestra, man. He's flicking the stick around, <laughs> and, everyone's, and everyone's playing the tunes, man. I love He's it. He's just conducting the show. And listen, I want to make a point on that Greg Olsen touchdown. Tampa Bay had good coverage. It's not like they blew the play. It's just Cam Newton threw a laser beam, and Greg Olsen pulled it in. I mean, that's the type of plays that you need to have and another fun fact there isn't an uh uh, according to the stats there is not a better red zone quarterback in the nfl right now than number one cam
4: newton cam newton cam newton's uh statistics this year are out the roof and uh, all the the sad part is is and we'll talk about this in the back end of the show It just so happens that Patrick Mahomes right now is on one of the greatest tears in football history, if not the greatest tear by any quarterback right now. But I promise you, if Cam keeps on this pace, check back in week 16. That mug is going to be a real consideration for MVP. We'll talk more about that as it goes. But this is how, when we said that, man, this uh, this is calling... The Bucs are starting to think about their own existence. I'm telling you, this was a Buccaneers, this is an existential beatdown the Panthers put on the Buccaneers fan base. So much so, again, they're not talking about the game, Cody. They were within one score. And there's no question in the entire podcast on the radio when you listen to these guys, they're not talking about plays they blew. They're talking about how their team is broken. And I want to say the Panthers... Kick broke that team officially. Here they go. This is how far it goes back and how deep they're looking inside to their own existence after that beatdown.
6: So that's Jason Light's fault. That's how the dominoes affect the draft and affect free agency. Hell, that can go all the way back to when um, the Bucks decided to take Cadillac Williams over Aaron Rodgers.
4: They're going all the way back, gonna, bro. They're
6: riding die yeah, with Chris really. Sims you take Aaron Rodgers and if the season doesn't play out the way you, you hope it would and you end up with a similar draft pick top 10 the next year you probably draft Adrian Peterson <laughs> but because you listen to Cadillac this i'm telling I mean, you before, really, no. they're on the couch we're, we're unlocking backs, repressed memories in the top 10 of a draft
5: tell me about
6: not going to happen so instead of getting Potentially Aaron Rodgers and Adrian Peterson. I know hindsight's 2020, but the Bucks needed a quarterback, and if they would have drafted a quarterback, then they would probably had a need for running back the next year. Yow! Yeah. So instead of that potential combination, they ended up getting Cadillac Williams and Gaines Adams.
4: <laughs> we got these mugs on the couch talking about their childhood, bro they're going back they're they're,
5: they're working through some stuff (laughs)
4: yeah i mean this is repressed memories type stuff uh craig mccoy that is a bucks uncensored podcast and i can tell you the guy's name his name is justin it's actually pretty good um he is very dramatic right and he sits there his name is justin polowski But you should have seen how hyped this dude was after week two. He was talking about that they could be anything they wanted to be, even when you put Jameis back in there. And he went from being on cloud nine, being so pumped about going into week three, to now they're cleaning house. He doesn't even want to talk about Jameis Winston, even though he's a Jameis Winston fan. Instead, he's got to talk about his childhood when Aaron Rodgers... When his mama could have dated Aaron Rodgers and instead dated Cadillac Williams.
5: <laughs> yeah. And, and, but you know, what though, it's like, to be fair, you know, I coming out, I thought Jameis was a good quarterback and I thought that he was going to be a good quarterback. He's, he's been a live.
4: supporter of Jameis. I do want to be fair to this guy. He is not throwing Jameis under the bus, but boy, yeah. he's turning his back on this season.
5: Well, and listen, that's why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a subpart football team every year. They're not bottom of the barrel, but they're not, you know, they're obviously not good. And it all happened around Jameis Winston. If he would have panned out, this might have been a contender. This might have been a high-powered offense for a long time now, but this didn't. And if you don't have a competent quarterback, your, NFL, your team is dead so, man. And their team is dead zone until they're able to fix that position. And it's not Fitzpatrick.
4: All right. Um let's go ahead Cody. We got. Let's uh jump in and I think we should get we let's have a party. Let's have a Brian Baldinger party. It's hey, it's what a party, I'm it's interested a party, in If you are not a uh Brian Baldinger follower and fan, fan. This man loves football Cody like uh like most people love their mamas. Just straight authentic Here is Brian Baldinger And Cody, you won't be able to hear this But you, you already know what he's saying Brian oh, Baldigger, yeah. have let's have a party
7: You know what the Panthers are doing? They're having a party Hit it south side, Johnny Let's watch this party Hit it Brent south Holston side with the serious down block. Now let's get the elephants out on parade Let's get Turner Let's get Khalil Let's get McCaffrey to the edge Let's get him to the edge he can stop on a dime, leave you a little change, walk that tightrope now. I like look that. At he it. can stop Listen, on a dime and look leave you. Look at Trey Turner. Listen, just dig it in down there. Look at Chris Clark. They're half Tyler Moten. They're having a party. Yeah, man. <laughs> Panthers having a nice party. And it's more than just McCaffrey. This I'm gets get me sad. so hyped, bro. He's coming on. He's a part of this action. Fake it to McCaffrey. Give it to DJ Moore. And then flip it to Curtis Samuel. You know what he can do with it? He'd get to an alley. He's like on a European autobahn, like driving a Ferrari. He's changing lanes. He's shifting gears. He's looking for that lane where he can go 200 kilometers an hour because he got speed. Oh, they're having a party in Carolina. Yes, they are. How about that guy, that first-round pick, DJ Moore? How about fake it to McCaff and give it to him on a reverse? See what he's got. He got like four three speed, man. Get him in the Audubon. Get him in that fast lane. I'll pick up a blocker. Oh, it's sweet. And it's more than just a run game. It's the passing game. You know why? The Panthers are having this is, a play. This is such a great play DJ right Morton here. D.J. Moore in backfield. Norm Turner having some fun. Draw this one up. Fake the pitch out there. Boom. Look at that. They all bite. Now, give it back to Calf. You, know oh. you know what McCaffrey's ready to do? He's ready to have a party. Whoop. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Look at this.
7: This is fun to watch. This is an offense. This is entertainment. This Let's go dude. Five-wide. What do you got, Cam? Great, oh, great. yeah. Oh, you got the skinny post to Samuel. Two touchdowns in a game. You having a party, Samuel? We having a party. Oh, yeah. It's a party. I don't DJ Moore out of this either, though. He can do and the same thing.
5: Man. There I, it is, I, right over the middle. All right. So, one, but, but I wish... Dude, find someone to love you the way Brian Baudinger <laughs> loves football. Amen. I mean, really, find someone to love you like Brian Baudinger loves football. But listen, I mean, everything I said is true, man. And I, I feel like his energy, that's how Panther Nation feels right now. I mean, we've been through some ups and some downs. But man, when this offense is rolling and Cam Newton's doing the Sunday giveaway and all of our players are getting their hands on the ball, man, this is a good time to be a Panthers fan, baby. Ooh, let's like have it. A we're party. feeling good. I mean, it's, hey, man, it's it's never been more exciting right now. I feel like the sky is the limit for this football team. And uh, yeah, shout out to Brian Balden. He knows we're partying.
4: That's my dude right there. Gosh, I tell you, I you're right. Find somebody to love you like Brian Boldinger loves football. That man does it for, he gets paid to do this, but not those videos. He don't get paid to do those videos. No, this nothing. mug makes those videos. I know how he makes these videos. If you watch how that works, that dude I'm pretty sure is holding his phone camera up to his computer. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, t- boy, he is having a party Now yeah. uh, I saw that I think it was Relly Rel Said uh, that we got to get Samuel some more snaps In this game, right This guy yeah. has been Unstoppable Here's Luke keekley on
7: him Luke got second and 15 to the end zone for Samuel He makes the catch, touchdown His second of today's game Curtis Samuel Can we just give the ball to
1: Curtis every play? every time
4: <laughs> my man my man that luke luke what was he channeling right there he was channeling a sentiment that we see every day and you said it before the show i want to let you have credit for this joke cody
5: yeah luke Kinkley is panther's twitter <laughs> i mean this luke, is yeah, Pan- luke <laughs> has said what's on our hearts and minds for you know, ever since the DJ came back from his condition or uh from his condition or whatever. Listen, man, Curtis Samuel is so dynamic and if you look at his snap count, you know, he's still not even playing forty percent of snaps. And yet when they put him in there, uh man, he's taking it to the house, man. He's with. dynamic and we're having we a part. This the was they were able Let's to watch reach him part. over the top. They used to the threat ball. told him to just whole ass to the end zone and I'll meet you there and that's what happened and even the pass that that Curtis dropped man he had a ton of separation on that play I hope they continue to uh, call those plays Uh, Curtis Samuel is a weapon and the more that we use him the better our offense is going to be because of it yeah he's
4: been fantastic Cody we've got we want to encourage you guys to be a part of the C3 Panthers podcast You can do that by calling into the cat calls. We're going to have to push the cat calls back just to probably about 945 tonight because we've got special guest Tony Serino coming on to help us preview this uh, Steelers matchup. But we're going to encourage you guys to turn your phones to portrait mode. Smash that thumbs up button. Make sure you hit the notification bell. Share the show on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, wherever you get us. I try to monitor all the comments as best we can, but the place to really be in the show is in the YouTube chat as well as on the Cat Calls line. Again, the number's 252 228 5098. You still got time to get some calls in tonight. I do have one last thing that I want to get to before our guest joins us. Let me see if I can find the clip, Cody. And uh, Cam Newton does a pretty good Norv Turner. Impersonation. He was asked about his relationship with North Turner and uh, how they're getting along. Here's Cam Newton on it.
3: Like though, between you and him during a game, you guys, what you guys are talking about, and that dynamic between you two.
7: What's up, coach? What's up, baby? Um How you feel? Uh, I feel like right, You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be a good game today. All right. You know, stay focused. All right. Boom. Then when I score a touchdown, it's, oh, I love it.
5: So. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah.
4: So Cam Newton getting in on that action, bro. He's got a great North Turner personation. Those guys are clicking like crazy, Cody. This offense is one that we need because we're going to be facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you want to talk about an offense, man, statistically, Those guys are better than they're getting credit for. They're starting to hit their stride, and there aren't many teams that have in the league that have as many weapons as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Juju and Antonio, thank God no Le'Veon. James Conner, though, coming back from cancer and playing like a man uh, that can do anything. That can beat cancer.
5: Hey, (laughs) I'll tell you honestly, I'm more afraid of Conner than I am... uh... Le'Veon Bell, when you beat the hell out of cancer, yeah, dude, I'm afraid of you a little bit more. Uh, I mean, James Conner is a beast, man. If you look at what he's putting up and what he's doing, I mean, that that offense is rolling with him like Le'Veon never left. All
4: right, we got – whoa, perfect timing right here. We got Tony Serino from the Locked On Steelers podcast. Did I get the Serino pronunciation correct,
1: my friend? You got it right, yep. Fantastic. Fantastic
4: all right you can follow tony it's a good strong name you can follow him at steelers country we brought you in here uh to the c3 podcast to help you help us pre- preview this game against this really there's a big matchup all of a sudden a, a matchup yeah. that a few weeks ago didn't seem like it may be as giant as it is right now the steelers are hitting their stride tony and the panthers are playing pretty good what's going on with the
1: pittsburgh steelers at this moment yeah, you know this was this has been a roller coaster of a year for the Steelers. Started off, of course, the, the entire thing has been about the Le'Veon Bell situation and what's been happening with you know will he show up, will he not show up? And thank goodness we're beyond that now and we're talking about actual Steeler football and, and not about guys who aren't there. James Conner has been terrific and, and been terrific over the past month. And know, yeah, the, the conversation in Pittsburgh has evolved from can Conner replace Bell over the short haul while he while he holds out to. The conversation now in Pittsburgh is about James Conner as the starting running back, not just this season, but going forward. And so uh, it's been an exciting month for the Steelers. They're on a four-game winning streak, defensively playing better. But you know, the, the storyline in Pittsburgh right now is all about James Conner.
4: You guys started out a little shaky, you know, lost yeah. a couple of games that you pretty much that we all thought you should have circled. But when you really kind of dig into the stats, the team has been playing a little bit better than I think Then has been credited for. Fourth in the league in yards. Uh, ninth in points per game. The Panthers are 11th and 22nd in rushing with 101 yards a game. So the rushing game has not on average put up a ton of yards, but I think that many ways is not them being bad, but just some other teams in the league being so great right now. The Panthers are second in the league and they're averaging 143 yards a game only a half yard behind the rams so tell me this offense is starting to hit its stride you said james conner is doing the deal he seems legit where are the strengths and weaknesses and vulnerabilities should we say on this offense at this moment
1: the strength right now is is the offensive line they are playing at a phenomenal level maybe they, they may be the best in the league if they're not the best in the league i would i would love to see an offensive line playing better than the steelers have played certainly over the past month um the, yeah, you know, it, it starts with it starts there with the offensive line and their ability to protect Ben Roethlisberger and their ability uh, to open up holes for James Conner, and then you know you just look at this offense and the amount of weapons they have. You go back to let's go back to the Killer B era, right? And everyone talked about Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, that that era should have been 30 points a game, right? In you know, a high flying offense, and it really wasn't. That, that offense never really got to its peak, and the reason was it never had a fourth player, right? You never had another option. I know it sounds silly to say, <laughs> you know, you, you need another player other than the best running back in the league and the best wide receiver in the league. But, you know, teams were, were shifting coverages to A-B side and loading the box for, for Le'Veon Bell. And I'll say that the offense didn't have success, but they're, you know, if you had one more player there, it really open things up. And this year, you look at what Juju Schmidt schuster is doing at the slot wide receiver position. He's been terrific well. And, you know, he's leading the the team in, in receiving – um, and it, it, you know, it, it's no surprise. He was fantastic in his rookie year, even better year. So physical as a receiver out of the slot. And while Antonio Brown hasn't looked like Antonio Brown yet in 2018, a lot of other players have picked up the slack. Vance McDonald, at tight end, terrific. Um, you know, at, at the third receiver position, James Washington or Justin Hunter, whoever they're going to be, I mean, that's the weakness right now. They don't have another outside receiver they can really count on. And it's going to sound weird to say this, but the other weakness on this team right now is Ben Roethlisberger. And whether or not Ben Roethlisberger can, can continue this over the long haul, can he continue to play as consistently as he's done over the last month, the beginning of the year? Some of the struggles this team had offensively early in the year were characterized by Ben Roethlisberger being inaccurate, uh, you know, just weird, uh, weird decision making, turnovers. If he can stay at this level, this offense can be among the best in the league. Tony, did you think that Ben Roethlisberger? You know, you just mentioned,
5: uh, you know, you don't know. He's the biggest kind of question mark moving forward. Why do you think that is? I mean, you mentioned all the weapons that they have. Now they have a running back. Because he backup.
3: owned. Well, oh, yeah.
5: I mean, they, they have James. They have James Conner. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. They have the best receiver in the NFL in Antonio Brown. And you know, it's funny because we have Cam Newton, and I feel like that's a lazy comparison, but it gets made a lot—the Cam Newton Big Ben comparison—and just now the Panthers are starting to see an offense. That has weapons around it, and we're rolling. So, why do you say Big Ben is the question mark in your
1: offense when it seems to be you're firing on all cylinders? I I I agree with you. He, the, the The offense is definitely playing very well right now. I, I say Ben Roethlisberger is the weakness because if I'm if I'm projecting out to, if you told me, you know, six weeks from now that the Steelers went two and four over that time, and you asked me why, I would say probably. Ben started turning the ball over more, and we re- we reverted back to the Ben Roethlisberger in the beginning of the year. I can't put my finger on why Ben Roethlisberger played poorly at the at the beginning of the year because, like you guys mentioned, yeah, there's so many weapons, right? It should be easy for Ben Roethlisberger when the offensive line's playing well. He can sit back there all day, and it's kind of a big style of offense. And yet, you know, you go back and watch the beginning, of, some of the beginnings of these football games. You know, Ben Roethlisberger just can't. The ball placement just wasn't there. Accuracy issues you know, just now reading defenses correctly, not seeing open receivers. I can't put my finger on why it's happening, but, you know, it's it, it has certainly been a struggle for Ben Rodgers It was a struggle during that that weird start to the year.
5: Well, let me ask you this then. How much longer do you feel the Steelers have Big Ben under center? Because sure. I know for a while now they've been kind of, or he has been, you know, putting out there, oh, uh, he might retire, maybe this is it, maybe it doesn't have it anymore. He kind of plays with the media and kind of, Know, keeps them on their toes a little bit, but then they Honest sort of with the quarterback they drafted out of Oklahoma State uh, The name escapes me right now. Mason Rudolph. Yeah, Mason Rudolph and all of a sudden He was like not taking them under the wing and all this other stuff. Yeah. How long do you feel the Steelers have big Ben under center?
1: It's a good question. If you had asked me that a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I'd have told you one more year tops now I, I could see him playing another three years, although I could see him retiring after this year as well. It's, it's hard to say with Benny. So, you know, he's an emotional roller coaster. Um Yeah, he's been talking about it one year at a time, this kind of thing. Then he, you know, like you said, then they draft Mason Rudolph and all of a sudden he comes out and says, no, I want to play three to five more years. I don't know why you drafted a quarterback. Um, I think a lot of it though, had to do with Todd Haley and the offensive coordinator and his relationship with Todd Haley. All reports were that those two didn't get along, especially at the end. And so getting rid of Todd Haley and now bringing in this new offensive coordinator Randy Feekner, who was the quarterback coach prior, you know these two have a great relationship, and and you've seen that on the football field. The Steelers have improved in a lot of the ways that they needed to in 2018, especially in the red zone offense where they really struggled under Todd Haley. So I could see Ben playing another three to five, but I could also see Ben retiring. You know, especially if he were to suffer any sort of injury here at the end, uh, at the end of this year, I, I could see him retiring because of injury or something like that. But I I Again, I could also see him playing three or five. It seems like
4: that offense, like you mentioned the offensive line playing so well, you know, you kind of live and die by how much you can protect Ben Roethlisberger. The first week of the season, you give up four sacks. Uh, Later on, you I mean, you lose to Kansas City. I don't know if that's a protection issue. You only give up one sack in that game. I mean, that's a Kansas City issue, putting up 42 points.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a shootout issue.
4: Yeah, and then uh, Tampa Bay comes in they get three sacks and it was wes underground in the youtube chat says we gotta pressure ben it seems like that when he's prone in many ways to being turnover prone should we say so that offensive line is praying playing pretty well but we know that ben big ben this isn't a new thing for ben he has been susceptible to having the five pick game every now and then or kind person. of yeah, guaranteed yeah. So, is what is going on? How is this offensive line gelling? What's going? I mean, I meant I was listening to the Locked On Steelers podcast, and you were talking about how healthy, relatively, you are for this yeah. point in the season. Is it just the five guys and the starters are just feeling it right now?
1: Well, it's actually yeah. It has been for the majority of the season. Although right now, their right tackle Marcus Gilbert is out. Uh, with a knee injury. A knee injury? Yeah, knee injury. Um, and so Matt Filer has played at, at right tackle. Matt Filer is a guy who last year, you know, kind of a guy who made the roster, 53rd guy on the roster type. But Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach, has done a great job of developing all of these guys and including, you know, the, the the backups there. And Matt Filer has come in the last couple of weeks and played at right tackle and been terrific. Again, you know, you know, a tackle is playing well when you're, you're not getting pressure off his side. And and we were going up against the Baltimore Ravens and, and Cleveland Browns, two very good pass-rushing teams. And, and Ben Roethlisberger, look, he got sacked one time against Baltimore, and that was at the end of the football game when they were trying to run the clock out. So, uh you know, th- this offensive line, you know, yes, the starting five are great, but Matt Filer coming in at, at right tackle has been good. We also had to play uh a B.J. Finney at guard at times because of injuries inside, and he's been good. I mean, this offensive line, I like, you know, it gets talked about in the NFL, there's not great depth at the offensive line. I think the Steelers are one of the few teams that I'll tell you, I like our depth right now.
4: One last question about Ben. And then we got to get to Antonio Brown and his funness. And uh, <laughs> I know that uh, some people don't, a lot of people don't like him outside of Pittsburgh. I do. I don't mind. Really? some of the, Yeah. I mean, and that is that they like him as a player, but they see him as the typical diva wide receiver oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. where that, you know, he threw the, gatorade thing down and they make a huge issue out of these things a lot of times that i think is unnecessary and then when you see a man twerking it's just it's just (laughs) too uh, much too much yeah exactly uh but i speaking of this is talking about this quarterback thing you guys don't seem to really know what you want to do at quarterback going forward and the reason i say that is because i like josh dobbs you guys go and pick him up two years (laughs) ago And uh, he has been, to me, I liked him when he was in Tennessee. He was there with Kamara. I think he's got a certain athleticism to him that's good enough uh, to move around in the NFL. I think he has a big enough arm to play in the NFL. And I know he's got a big enough brain with his astrophysics or whatever that degree is. But I said something one time on Twitter, and I'm a fan of Josh Dobbs. I said something on Twitter about, like, how great he was playing in the preseason. I said it to a reporter, a Charlotte reporter, and I said, the only thing that's wrong with Josh Dobbs is he ain't got no eyebrows. And she comes back at me, and she goes, don't you know he has alopecia? And I'm like, oh, God. No, I didn't know that. So don't make a huge deal out of it. Just said my man don't have no eyebrows. Why can you guys not commit? Like, what's wrong with Josh Dobbs? Uh,
1: nothing's wrong with Josh Dobbs. Although, if there, I'm glad I'm on a, on a Panthers podcast where my locked on Steelers listeners hopefully aren't listening because they love to dunk on me about the Josh Dobbs situation. I spent the entirety, I was at training camp, the entirety of training camp, I was up in Pittsburgh uh, covering it for locked on Steelers. And uh, I said, I said every day on that podcast, stop messaging me about Josh Dobbs. He has no place on this roster, he will be cut. Landry Jones is the backup. Mason Rudolph is the future. Stop texting me. Stop stop Twitter, uh, tweeting me about Josh Dobbs. And here we are. Josh Dobbs made the roster and Landry Jones did not. In fact, Landry Jones may be playing the Steelers here in a couple weeks on the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, you know, Josh Dobbs, credit to him, man. Here's a guy who came into to training camp in such an awkward situation. Like you said, he was drafted pretty highly in the draft. I think a third-round yeah, pick, third, third fourth-round yeah. pick. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, pretty highly drafted. Right, comes into a situation where he's got a quarterback saying, he may retire any year now. I'm not saying Josh Dobbs was was drafted to be the future. He's probably drafted to be the future backup. But or just to right? kick
4: the tires to see if he could be a yeah, starter one day.
1: Yeah, and so he comes into this season now. They draft Mason Rudolph in the third round. Mason Rudolph falls down the draft into the third round. The Steelers take him. And now Dobbs is left in a situation where you got Landry Jones, the established backup. You got Mason Rudolph, the future of the position. Here he is as a fourth quarterback in a league where most teams keep two. I love, I love the moxie that he showed throughout training camp and that desire to, you know, he went into a no-win situation in that preseason game against the Carolina Panthers in preseason and put up a huge game. Yeah, it was amazing. Made the roster on that day. What a a fantastic performance. And I don't know if you guys saw the game against the Ravens, Steelers-Ravens, but there's a huge moment in that game as well. Second and 20, Steelers backed up at their own goal line. Ben Roethlisberger goes down. You know, he said, he, what did he say after the game? He said, he felt like I died on that play. He got the wind knocked out. of him. said, I feel like I died. This is what I'm talking about. I say Ben is a little, he's an emotional roller coaster. He loves to play off everything. So he's thinking about retirement. I may retire anytime now. I got, I got the wind knocked out of me. It felt like I died. Okay, ben, right. uh, But Josh Dobbs has to come in for one play. Second and 20, backed up your old goal line on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. He checks out of a run, throws the ball to Juju for 23 yards for a first down. A fantastic play by Josh Dobbs. I, I love Dobbs. You know, if, if it's going to be Dobbs, going to be Mason Rudolph for the future. You're right. The Steelers don't know. I don't know. But uh, I, 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 like Dobbs, I like Dobbs right now. I do. Well, it also
5: seems like, you know, both of them have the benefit of being under Roethlisberger for however long he does end up playing in Pittsburgh, whether it's another two or three years yep. or whatever. I mean, I, I'm the draft guy, one of the draft guys on our show. I wanted to draft Josh Dobbs so bad. I thought he would have been the perfect backup to Cam Newton. But lo and behold, the Steelers pick him up. But um, I I want to turn the subject a little bit. One of the things I want to talk about, you know, the offense takes up so much of the oxygen in the room whenever you're talking about Pittsburgh. But I want to talk about your defense. How do you feel your defense has played so far this year? And do you see holes in this Pittsburgh defense that might be a liability moving forward?
1: Yes, uh, the defense – uh, it's an interesting year in 2018. I was listening to your, you guys talk before I came on. You guys were going over how how great the Panthers' offense has been over the past couple of weeks. It's just been a crazy year in the NFL with how many points are being scored. It's
4: unbelievable.
1: You know, it's, it, it's not just you know it's not just the Steelers' offense that's doing well. It's Carolina. It's every every good team in the league right now is great because their offense is great, and they all feel like they have the same weakness, which is that they have a bad defense, right? Or not necessarily a bad defense, but You, know, you watch top teams face top teams in this league. It's no longer twenty-four to twenty-one anymore, right? I mean, these games are played in the thirties or the forties at times. Yeah. Um, so do the Steelers have problems defensively? Absolutely. I mean, their secondary is kind of a mess right now. They have a rookie strong safety starting in Terrell Edmonds, who, if you watched him in the pre-draft process, uh, he's not a guy who you want starting in a coverage safety role early in his career. And yet there he is out there playing cover two. He's They're been not- fine. He's been fine so far. He hasn't made a whole bunch of big mistakes, but. You know, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, these, you know, Baker Mayfield, those aren't the quarterbacks in the NFL that are testing you right now. Cam Newton is. And so I'm going to be interested to watch that matchup on Thursday night. Yeah, the front seven has gotten better. The Steelers defensive line should be their strength. Stephon Tooitt, Cam Hayward, Javon Hargrave, three very good defensive linemen. They were a real disappointment early in the year, gotten better as the year has gone on. Uh, certainly, Stefan Tuit. he had three sacks over the last three games. So he's playing much better. There was so much worry going into the year about the inside linebacker position for the Steelers. Of course, the talk was all about how are you going to replace Ryan Shazier? They signed John Bostic, Indianapolis Colts, a journeyman inside linebacker. Didn't draft anyone at that position and undrafted free agent, Michael Thomas, who, you know, Steeler fans were ready for this guy to take over as a starter from week one. Uh, John Bostic ends up being your starter there and he's been fine. I mean, Vince Lings has been fine defensively. Look, they're going to give up, Look, this, this Panther Steelers game is going to be played in the thirties. Like all, these games between two good teams are. And the Panthers are going to have their success because the Steelers have a ton of weaknesses defensively. Covering tight ends, the middle of the field, getting beat deep. I expect all of that to be challenged in this game. And I'm going to be interested to see how the Steelers attack a guy like Christian McCaffrey and the kind of X factor he can be out of the backfield. And you know, I know you guys were talking about misdirection earlier in the podcast. That's another thing the Steelers can be susceptible to, the testing, the discipline of this defense. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Steelers defensively not great. Not great. But I don't know that there is a good defense. In nope. the NFL, well, so. you
4: know what is that is you, you. They're not bad. Just like the Panthers defense has not been great. It has not been the traditional Panthers defense that we're accustomed to, or maybe a Steelers defense of the past that a yeah. lot of people like. But listen to these numbers. And like we were talking about is look, the Panthers are outpacing you guys in rushing yards, but really in points per game, we're very close. Ninth and 11th on defense. 21 um they're 21 in yards per game the Steelers the Panthers are 22 the Steelers are 15th uh and the Panthers are 11th and I think that is in points per game I wrote down the stats and then left off what stat it was I'm pretty sure that's points per game and so is that but these teams to me you know I wouldn't have said this in week one I wouldn't have said this in week three But as the Panthers offense catches fire, like it has in the last three weeks, or at least in the fourth quarter of the, of the Eagles game and beyond the last nine quarters, as a lot of people have been saying the last nine quarters, they have been the greatest. The Steelers have also, I think we really have teams that maybe don't win the same ways all the time, but really have comparable defenses and look. Is that you guys got some of the greatest ta- talent in the NFL on offense, and it's starting to look like the Panthers are as well. This Thursday might my, my matchup is could be a slugfest.
1: It's it's too bad it's on Thursday night because you get short weeks. The teams can't really you know they're not going to game plan in a, in a full capacity having a, a short week like this. So it's going to come down to fundamentals in a lot of ways. But I think you're right. I think this is going to be uh, this is going to be a slugfest between two very good teams. I look at the NFL right now as kind of you know, tier one and tier two. I think tier one is clearly Kansas city and new England and, and new Orleans and LA, right? Those are LA Rams. Uh, those are your tier one teams, but tier two, that, t- that tier that's right beneath those. I think the Steelers and Panthers are right there. And I think this is a huge matchup in the NFL right now. It's really too bad that it's going to happen on Thursday. Cause I would love to see a full week of practice, a full week of preparation and see how these two teams would match up at 1 PM on a Sunday. How does well, that... anything, Go ahead, anything,
5: it, it, it kind of, you know, since neither of us are working with the full week, I mean, really, it's kind of anyone's guess as to what happens. You know, I, I almost see the, the strengths and the weaknesses of this football team uh, for both of our teams as almost identical. We want to run the football, and we want to do it effectively a lot of the times. We want to take the ball out of our quarterback's hand as much as possible. And then when we do have to throw the football, you know, we want to be able to uh, uh, really mess with the defense and make them wonder where it's going to and I think Juju Smith-Schuster for the, uh, for the Steelers I, I love that dude personally and I know you already spoke about him uh, I, I thought he was underrated coming out into the draft but yeah Juju is just an awesome football player and I'm honestly more worried about him than I am about Antonio Brown because I feel we know what Antonio Brown is going to do what he's capable of doing but what are you
1: going to do with Juju, man? He's kind of be open to something. Yeah, yeah. So I think with the with the, the Juju matchup, I'm interested to know from you guys how do you think the the, the Panthers are going to attack the Steelers at the wide receiver position? Is it going to be a, a case where you know Dante Jackson shadows? I'm 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 going to forget the other uh, the other uh, James Bradbury. 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 there you go. Do you think these guys shadow each receiver, or are they going to play it from each side? Um, and who's the nickel corner on the Panthers? So,
5: I, I, I'd be interested to hear what Tony has to say about this. Our nickel is Captain Marlon. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of thinking that since uh, Antonio Brown, he's a fast, shifty receiver, I'm saying put Dante Jackson on him and let Bradbury have uh, Juju. That's, That's yeah, yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. And to put Shaq Thompson on um, uh, Jesse James and the other tight end that we've been using. Now don't um, forget about Vance McDonald. Yeah, Vance McDonald too. I'll never forget that stiff arm on Tampa, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what I think. I want to know what Tony
4: thinks. Uh, Juju, 6'1", 215 pounds, is uh, what, how does his game in in many ways? Because I've seen when I see him, he's making explosive plays. It's not just like the guy. And I and I've only watched from afar. You know, we get so locked in on our teams and so things. You know, you check out a couple of games when you can. I watched the Steelers games against the Ravens. One of the Big games that the Ravens were able to win. Wasn't impressed with the Ravens offense in that game. That's why I was feeling so good when we handled the Ravens. You know, uh, Juju, 6'1, 215 pounds. How what's his speed like?
1: He's got deceptive speed. You know, he had that 97-yard touchdown against Detroit last year. I think no one saw that coming. Because you know, this was a guy when he came out of college. I think it was, you know, he was a he was a big physical receiver. Everyone's comparing him to Heinz Ward, his ability to be a blocker and all that. And that was the story for him. Early on in the year, and he's very much an over-the-middle type of open zone, you know, find space in the defense and run after catch and be physical in that way. But then you saw him outrun all those defenders in that play in, in Detroit, and you thought, What? I didn't know how to I didn't know Juju had this kind of speed, and you've seen that more. I mean, Juju has been a big play receiver in that way, more of a catch-and-run guy. You're not gonna see him go down the field. In fact, the Steelers have really struggled in 2018 with the deep ball entirely. They 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 traded away Martavis Bryant. To the Oakland Raiders, they drafted James Washington, who is a big play threat at, from Oklahoma State, and they have Justin Hunter on the outside as well. But none of those guys have really materialized as a real deep threat on this football team. So Juju, to me, look—he's he, a very physical receiver, very good at beating guys off the line of scrimmage, finding his spot in zone coverage, making combat catches, and then very good in run after catch.
4: So if that is, look, is the Panthers traditionally love to play zone, we love to put the nickel corner out there, let our two uh, linebackers feel whatever the defense is doing and just react. So generally we don't like the trail receivers, you know. So if you move Antonio Brown across the formation, uh, we have in the past not wanted to do that. But in this case right here is that James Bradbury has had an exceptional year, but he matches up better with a guy like a Juju Rather than, look, I mean, he shut down Mike Evans. I don't want to say he shut down Mike Evans. Mike Evans didn't have a great game, A. B, James Bradbury had a really great game. And then the then the, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't do all that well together. So I don't know if it's just like, hey, I'm ready to say James Bradbury can go up against Mike Evans every week and win that matchup. But he has improved. He's in his third year. So I feel more comfortable with him. But Dante Jackson's got the speed, Dante Jackson has the athleticism to at least contest Antonio Brown. So if I was the coaching staff here, what I would suspect is this, is that we're going to try to match up Dante as much as we can on that side of the field against Antonio Brown, and then we're going to shade Eric Reed to that side to help on that. And then we're going to ask a lot out of James Bradbury, and hopefully Mike Adams can come in. We'll probably run a lot of Tampa 2 type things and just I, I promise you that the Panthers what they're not going to want to do is they're just going to not want to get beat deep. So they're going to try to keep those guys underneath and and I think you do that by just saying here, the safety's got your back. Dante, keep up with Antonio Brown as much as possible and Eric Reed, if you can take his head off just one time early in the game. Eric Reed's a hitter, bro. So uh,
1: watch out. How's, how's he been in Carolina so far?
4: He's been fantastic. He's been, He's been tremendous. Is this, is that Love we, him. you know, he comes in uh, after basically, you know, almost a year out of football. Yeah. No pre- no training camp. He comes in. We ask him. He played something like 80% of the snaps in his first game. Was he like a guy that you're ready to say that was going to shut down everybody at that moment and make this huge difference? Not at that exact second. He's gotten it better every week, though, and he has been a contributor. He's a big dude. He's real, really physical uh, type of player, and if the Panthers can be fortunate enough to move him in the future, keep him in the long run, and try to move him to strong safety, and make that his natural position and get kind of a faster free floater on the free safety side boy man he's a great player and what a steal to get him at 26 years old because yeah. the nfl is scared of nothing
1: you know it's, it's funny you guys have eric reed who i think a lot of Steeler fans were hoping they would pick up they got morgan burnett in the offseason but the steelers really could have used another safety as i said Terrell Edmonds out there in a, in a coverage safety role right now, not a spot you want to see Terrell Edmonds in early in his career. And I think you're going to see more of Morgan Burnett as the season goes along. But in this football game, you'll see Edmonds out there in a cover two. And then you guys also have Dante Jackson. Who's a guy I remember watching the tape. I was watching tape on Arden key during the draft. And I just kept thinking to myself, who is this corner over here? This guy's (laughs) fantastic. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you guys get to watch Dante Jackson because the Steelers are over here. You know, already Burns, who they drafted a couple years ago, he's been benched now. Not just benched, but he's like third string at this point. I mean, it's it's Cody Sensabaugh on the outside, Cam Sutton backing him up, and and then you got already Burns at the the third spot. So and
4: no more Mike Mitchell. We were Mike Mitchell fans for a year. You guys paid oh, him, yeah. and he's uh, he did okay, but not couldn't. Uh, you know can carve out a long-term niche there. We had a question for you in the YouTube chat which is an interesting connection between the Carolina Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of those odd stories where the Carolina Panthers got a new owner after yes. a crazy scandal where old man Jerry Richardson turned out to be creepy man Jerry Richardson and racist yeah. man Jerry Richardson up there but you know, you get David Tepper. He's a, he's from Pennsylvania. I don't know if he's from Pittsburgh. He may be. He was a part owner in the Pittsburgh Steelers. The question is, does he have any inside info that could help us?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure, but it is interesting, right? Because I talked about this. You know, the, the Panthers becoming a more Steelers-like organization. And, you know, the Steelers have only had three head coaches since, whatever it is, 1960-something, right? I mean, they've been a very stable organization. The things... That, that he learned in Pittsburgh, I'm sure he's going to take to Carolina. And I talked about it during the offseason. I think Carolina is going to be much better off with a guy like uh, – what, David Tepper is his name, right? Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be much better off in the long run with a guy like that who's learned from the Steelers. And, you know, you build through the draft. Don't spend a m- bunch of money in free agency. The ability is the key. Steeler fans during the offseason were so displeased with the fact that they didn't fire both coordinators after the year. Of course, the Steelers ended 2017. In embarrassing fashion, giving up 45 points to Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, that's uh,
4: embarrassing.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I was, I was, I was live to see that one as well. That was uh, not a fun one to watch in person. Uh, but, you know, regardless, right? So the Steelers defense at the end of the year kind of fell apart. Mo- Shazier was a part of that, but the schematically, it just, it was all over the place. And the Steelers had to uh, let go of Todd Haley because of his relationship with Ben Roethlisberger, but they didn't let go of both coordinators. And I think that's a testament to the stability of the franchise, right? We're not going to clean house after a 13 and three season. Maybe we need to really reevaluate some things defensively. And they did that by retooling a lot of personnel. Uh, but they didn't go out there and fire both coordinators because again, stability is too big a factor in Pittsburgh. So I think you guys should be very happy with a guy like David Tepper in Carolina.
4: Cody, I only got one last question for him. So if you got anything, here's your chance to get in.
1: Well, not one. I want to thank you for coming on the show
5: tonight, man. You've been very insightful. Uh, but, I mean, really, it's not really a question, just it's a, a statement, you know. I think that David Tepper, you know, you've, he's talked about not going to a, a football game uh, until he was in his late 20s. And, you know, him being a part of the Steelers for so long, I think this game is very important to him. I feel Pittsburgh also knows that. Uh, I think this is going to be a super hard-fought battle. I mean, I think this is going to be a great football game. The only thing I hope is that both of our teams come out healthy. You know, Thursday nights are bad for injuries for both teams. They don't have that full recovery time. So, uh, yeah, man, all I want is just to wish wish for a good game and for the Steelers and the Panthers to come out healthy.
4: All right, my question for you, two-part question. It's got to do with the game plan for dealing with offense, I mean, for the Carolina Panthers. What's the one thing that the Steelers want to do on offense In this game against the Panthers, and the one thing they need to do on defense to win this matchup on Thursday night. Because, look, if the Panthers mark a W in this, we're talking about notarizing a real Super Bowl run potentially for us because the Panthers have been showing signs that they can compete. All they got to do is keep up with the Saints. This is a critical game. So, one thing on offense, one thing on defense.
1: So offensively, you know, it's it's, it's cliche, but it's James Conner in the running game. I mean, he's been the catalyst for which this offense has gotten going over the past month. Keep him going. Keep those running lanes going. Get him uh, involved as a receiver out of the backfield. You know, he's – people hate when I compare him to Le'Veon Bell, and I actually hate comparing him to Le'Veon Bell because you know, it started – this whole James Conner thing started as like, you know, Conner in the shadow of Le'Veon Bell, and now we're talking about James Conner as being one of the better running backs in the NFL – but he's been very Le'Veon Bell-esque. You, know, you remember the stats of like Le'Veon Bell was 50-something percent of the Steelers' offense, and he was he was such a catalyst for everything that happened on that Steelers' offense. James Conner has been the same. James Conner has had Le'Veon Bell-esque performances. He needs to do that again on Thursday night. This team is not good when it's all in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger. Go back and watch that game against Baltimore, the first matchup, when James Conner couldn't get going and Ben had to throw the ball every down, and it was not a fun game to watch they got to get James Conner going. Defensively, I'm really interested. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat on this answer. There, there are two things that I'm really interested in. All right. I'm really interested in how they how they game plan around Christian McCaffrey, and of course, but, but Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. The Steelers have been going in sub package like every team, you know, 80% of the time. And they use a guy, LJ Fort, at the inside linebacker position to cover running backs out of the backfield. They did a, they did a very good job shutting down Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson. He did a very good job shutting down Alex Collins. He even did a pretty good job shutting down Tevin Coleman. But Christian McCaffrey, I think, is on a different level right now. And, yeah. and I'm going to be very interested to see if he's up to that test.
4: That's tier. The he's tier is- one. Christian McCaffrey, tier one. Those guys yeah. you mentioned, tier two.
1: Yeah, or or, or lower. Yeah, <laughs> tier three, True tier that. four. Um, the other thing I'm going to be interested in this game is how they contain Cam Newton in the pocket. The Steelers have gone to more man-to-man this year. They're they're more comfortable running man-to-man. Man-to-man defense leaves running lanes for the the quarterback. Cam Newton will eat that up. You know, The Steelers are in man-to-man on a third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Cam will probably convert that if the Steelers don't contain him. And the key there is Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree has been better this year as an edge rusher, but he loves the speed rush. That is his go-to move. And tackles love to just take him on a ride around the quarterback. If he's going on a speed rush around the end, and he's leaving that running lane for Cam Newton. I'm going to be very interested to see how much success Newton has in those moments as well.
4: Well, good news is the speed rush gives Carolina fits. Thank God oh, okay, that we uh, don't mind, have. Mind, I take it back. If we don't have Matt Khalil, though, thank God we don't have Matt Khalil anywhere in the building or around because that would be what you did every play. I lied. I do have one more question. Yeah, here yeah, you go. Did Le'Veon do the right thing?
1: Oh, Le'Veon Bell. I thought we were going to go through a whole podcast with no Le'Veon We questions.
4: almost did it. But it I just want to know, did he question. do the right thing?
1: <laughs> did Le'Veon Bell do the right Well, did you guys hear the new report that it came out like two hours ago that Le'Veon Bell is now considering sitting out the entire year in 2018? Of course, it was previously reported he would show up this week. I mean, what what, what, what would, that would that do? Point,
4: what would I mean, that he's... do if he did sit out? The... Does that affect any of the, like, the real contract or anything? Or is yeah, that... there,
1: it's... It's so back and forth on this. I guess NFL networks Aditi Kumbawala and Mark Kaboli of the Athletic were both reporting this today that if Le'Veon Bell holds out the entire year, it doesn't matter for his franchise tag. And that's really all he cares about, right? He doesn't want the Steelers to franchise tag him a third year in a row. The mm. belief had been to this point that if he set out the entire year, the Steelers could tag him again for the same 14.5 million dollars they did in 2018. It doesn't seem to be the case, though. Now, according to NFL networks, Aditi Kumbawala and uh the athletics, Marco Boli. So yeah, he could sit out the entire year and, and go into next season as a true free agent, testing the market and getting, you know, his Todd Gurley money that he wants. Uh, did he do the right thing? Yes. And no, he couldn't afford to go through another year of 400 plus touches. You look at running backs and when they decline and it hap- it doesn't happen, you know, little by little declining year over year. It just happens overnight. Right? You look at LaDainian Tomlinson's career, he was great, he was great, he was great, and then all of a sudden he's average. Yeah, same thing for Sean Alexander, right? I mean, you look at these great top running backs. When it's over, it's over. And the Steelers were using him, you know, I mean, every play, You know, it was 400, 450 touch type seasons, what you consider playoff run. And when they told him be-
4: to take a break, right. it was in a passing down. What's that? And when they told him to take a break, they were like, here, run out for a pass and we'll throw it to you. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. that's your they that's your playoff.
1: The edge rusher, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're right. They never took him off the field either. I mean, he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was the the running back on every single down. So, did he do the right thing? Yes. Did he go about it the right way? No. He basically lied before the season, or was very, very deceitful in in his intentions at the beginning of the year. And that's why you saw Steeler players react so negatively through the media, uh, and you, you know, you saw players basically going out and ripping him left and right. It's because. Everything his agent and everything he said made it sound like he'll be there for week one. He's gonna play off the season and then he'll leave. And so, you know, the fact that he sat out for what is what is half the year now and potentially the full season, given some of the things he said before the year, very disingenuous. And that's why I think Steeler fans, you know, there's no love lost right now between the city of Pittsburgh and Le'Veon Bell.
4: What a fantastic guest we've had tonight. Tony Serena, locked on Steelers podcast. Tony. How often do you do the show? Is it always daily? Is it a couple times a week? And tell them how you can find them on how they can find you on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, locked on Steelers. It is either four or five days a week, depending on the week, depending on how many guests I have, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I used to do a podcast called Steeler Country, which was once a week. Although it was it was once a week, like forty five minutes to an hour. Now I'm doing twenty to thirty minutes a day. It's been it's been a transition for sure, especially during the off season when you're doing it when you're doing it five days a week in July. There's not a whole lot of football.
4: Talk Boy, you're going back into the history of the
8: Steelers.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, know, you can find my work over at locked on Uh, We've got a whole bunch of, we got a whole uh, group of podcasts over there. The Hold the whole network. You can find the locked on NFL podcast. We have Matt Williamson uh, doing the, the nationwide uh, podcast for locked on NFL. And you can find me on Twitter at Steeler country.
4: What a fantastic guest tonight, man. We are excited about this matchup. We hope uh, that we, we prevail Uh, in this matchup. But man, it's been a great time catching up with you tonight. I'm sure everybody will go and follow you. Thanks a lot. Tony Serino locked on Steelers podcast, Cody, a ton of insight right there when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers and how we're matching up. And what I see from this is this matchup gets more and more important, more and more revealing with each and every statistic And each and every matchup we look at we go to the carolina panthers who have played fantastically or fantastic on offense and their defense has been playing adequately and better than they think on the other hand they have an offense that has all the parts cody and you look at this is but the panthers have played some seriously high-powered offenses and have been able to keep up with them by having a seriously high powered offense themselves that's really coming into fruition you said on the post game show Cody you said last week on the podcast you really learn what a team is about this time of the year yep and you're learning a lot about the Steelers you're learning a lot about the Panthers and I think we learn a ton on Thursday night
5: Oh, we learn everything. In my mind, if we beat Pittsburgh, I mean, one, let, let's put it this way. Pittsburgh is always in contention. They're in the playoffs every year. They're in the AFC Championship game damn near every year. They're a continuously good football team. I don't care if you love their head coach or hate them. They have the players. They have uh, the, the fans. I mean, they, they are a, a blue blood franchise in the NFL and for a reason. And I want us to make a statement. We all do. I believe that if the Carolina Panthers put their foot down on Pittsburgh, I I 100% see us at least in the NFC Championship game. And it tells me that we have the best chance to control our destiny, even with the Saints at the end of the season. No matter how good they are, i like this Carolina Panthers team to beat anyone in the AFL But we have to prove it on the road against Pittsburgh. If
4: we win this game against the Steelers, man, it means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot about what our team can do on the road against a team that has some veterans in there that know how to weather through the storm of controversy, through the storm of the media. The Steelers, they started out slow. They're hitting their rhythm. Antonio Brown reminding you each and every week he is the best or at least at the top one or two of the league and we're quibbling. We're quibbling if we say that he isn't the best. I believe he is at this point. But there is a lot of strength and there is some soundness to that team. The Panthers' statement game potentially winning on the road. I think if we go and take care of business with the Steelers, I just get more and more confident that we have no nothing to fear from the Saints. So, I'm excited about this matchup. We've got more to talk about. But what we really got to do, Cody, is we got to get into the cat calls. The cat calls is the fantastic. This is the part of the show where you tell us what we need to be talking about. The number is 252-228-1598. You can call into the show anytime, 24-7. Call in after the game. We'll get you on the post-game show. Call between Sunday and Tuesday. We'll get you into the podcast let's get into these calls right now
7: so what are your thoughts on cat calling yeah it's pretty sh- you shouldn't do that to somebody
0: and how did that make you feel
2: uh, very uncomfortable
0: so how do you think cat calling makes the person feel
7: it feels a good like and a three and a four. And a- who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose who's that cat kid-
8: Hey, man, this is uh, Owen Collins
3: from Charlotte. Just uh, after two uh, kind of relaxing weeks, uh, you know,
8: kind of no wins uh, in the last minute, just thought everybody should uh, liven up their week by just checking out who Wes Horton's father is. I'm just going to leave you with one word, uh, Gemini. And you guys just look that up. Gemini.
4: Wes Horton's father
5: is Wait, a, what is, what's
4: oh, do you not know about this?
5: I don't know about this. Wes about Horton's
4: this? father was on that show that was um, American Gladiator back in the day where all these oh, no giant way. dudes who could have been uh, football players slash WWE wrestlers got in totally steroid pumped up. and dude the chicks on that show they had the chick version where these were muscle muscle women and what they went is against regular dudes it would be like college athlete from community from coastal Carolina goes up against American Gladiators and they have to do these kind of Crazy, uh, like one on one drills, or is this one drill where there was an obstacle course and these American gladiators shot these tennis cannons at them? I'm talking serious tennis cannons, and they had to try to get one side to the other side. Wes Horton's dad was a part of that, and his name was Jim and I.
5: Jimena. Wow. All right, then. You learn something new every day.
4: Good call there. We appreciate that, Owen. Oh, we're going to keep pounding through these calls. The number's 252-228-5098.
2: What's happening, everybody? How y'all doing? It's my boy. G. G. What's so, up, Keith? You guys long tonight. It's the coolest because dude. I know a lot of people are trying to call in for the podcast. That was just a... And I just saw that uh, Bruce Irvin... Is a free agent yes yeah. Bruce Irvin out of the Oakland Raiders um this is my opinion I think we should kick tires on this dude and and test him out put him in a rotation you know he's not what he used to be but in all honest honesty neither is Julius Peppers to take the truth but he still can make an impact rotate him out with with JP that'd be pretty good in my opinion he could you know, make the pass rush a little bit better. You know, this is my opinion. Just think about it, Mario Addison on one side, Bruce Irvin on the other. Oh, my God, that would look nice. But, you know what I'm saying, it's just my opinion. So, you guys, tell me what you think, and hope you all are ready for this game on Thursday versus the Steelers. This is going to be a good game. Even though we never won in Pittsburgh, I believe times are going to change this year. I really see us winning. So, uh, keep pounding and always remember, man, Carolina Panthers are the most slept on team. Holler at me.
4: Bruce hey. Irvin, Bruce Irvin went to West Virginia was a college. He's 31 years old. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. He's six-three, two hundred and fifty 250 pounds. My concern with him, Cody, is this, is that how does he fit into what the Panthers do? Yeah. He's played a lot of time in his career in a 3-4 type of style defense. It's this year when Oakland switched to the 4-3, and now we can't trust anything that John Gruden says about why they're doing anything because he won't say the one thing that we all know, which is they're tanking. (laughs) And they're cutting salaries like crazy. They're tanking and cutting salaries because they're going to go and draft three first-round draft picks next year, or they're going to draft two first-round draft picks and trade up to get really high their second draft pick because they're going to get the first right now because of the tank. They're going to have a lot of free agent money, you would think, as they're cutting these salaries left and right. But I don't know. Is this... Is I get... That kicking the tires on Bruce Irvin is a guy who's athletic, who's talented, and on third down you put him at defensive end. And uh, hell, if he needs to stand up and not put his dirt in the ground, don't make him don't make him put his hand down. Tell him just to stand up. But I don't know how you work it in because what we really want to do is put in Julius. We would love to have a guy that could play first down, and have Julius Peppers come in. In passing situations of second and third, how would you make it work? And I do think it could be more enticing if we had problems with Mario Addison's back.
5: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I kind of echo the sentiment that you just said. You know, this is sort of different. This isn't uh, similar to Jared Allen in two thousand and fifteen. Jared was a uh, a four three defensive end
4: who struggled and- when he went to a three four.
5: Right, so uh, you know, it's it'd be a bad situation to say, "Hey, we're gonna take an older outside linebacker and put his hand in the dirt and expect him to do what Mario Addison does." And you know, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like, and listen, I don't blame G or any other Panthers fans. You know, whenever there's a good player, Joe Person, Joe Person's out
4: there saying it right now.
5: Yeah, and that's what I don't really understand because I feel like Joe Person should know that that Bruce Irvin doesn't really do what we're looking for a defensive end to do. Um, but my, my thing is, uh, you know, every time there's a player that's been cut or they're up on the trade block potentially, uh, you know, every Panthers fan wants to, you know, kick the tires and see about putting them on the team. And it's all about fit. Do they fit what we do? And I just don't think Bruce Irvin does. Um, I don't know what the contract situation is. I think they kind of have outright, so I don't know if that means that uh, we I think no. I think you
4: have to pick up the rest.
5: Yeah. Okay. So then, if that's true, I heard it was around, you know, three something million dollars, and that's just, you know, for one more year of a player who doesn't really do what we want him to. It just doesn't seem like a deal. I'm I'm willing to go all in on you know what
4: is though is that is i don't think that i'm so scared of saying that hey he can't play in a four three that i wouldn't be interested in trying it it's not even schematically that's the fit for me i think we talked about this either in the post game show or last week cody is that really what we truly wanted to do we said this weeks ago it was probably week two when Ron Rivera said, we want to get Julius Peppers on the field more. And you're like, no, we don't, bro. You said yeah. last year that he was on a pitch count and that you wanted to use him situationally and keep him fresh, protect him. And you know what? He went out and got 10 and a half sacks. Right now, you've asked a 38-year-old Julius Peppers to play every single down, essentially, Or every down that matters. And you know what? Peppers is good enough to do it still. What my thing is is this. Is that whoever you bring in to play, to, like, help on that left side, they need to give you a strength on running downs as well. You, like, who is, I mean, at, at the end of the day, on third down... Is Bruce Irvin going to be able to beat out Julius Peppers on the left? I said this about Dante Fowler last week. Is that, look, it would have been nice for us to go and try to do something like that. But really, we kind of need a big bodied guy on first. Like a Charles Johnson, just not old and broken like he was last year. That type of guy. I mean, really, who's a guy, do you think that Bruce Irvin can beat out Julius Peppers on third down snaps?
5: I don't well, know. no, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if he beats out Wes Horton on, <laughs> on third down snaps. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I, I really don't, uh, I mean, okay, so here's the caveat. I'm not, I don't always watch Raiders football because why would you subject yourself to that torture?
4: It's trash, but, dude. I tried to watch it the other night, last, what was it, last Thursday night? I watched yeah, one play, bad. and a turned Dude, it off. They lost
5: to a third-string quarterback against the Niners. Dude, they're, they're a dumpster. I player. think
4: – I don't even think – you know what? I'm just willing to say they are tanking. They're doing – they're pulling the Philadelphia 76ers. We just and, don't man, see it what? in the NFL very often.
5: They they even had the safety that they let go of named Obi Malafonbu. and, uh, you know, he was a combine warrior, put out incredible numbers, and he was a second-round pick, and they just let him go. Uh, that was somebody that I had thought that, uh, you know, we would at least look at. But, dude, if the Raiders don't want him, yeah, I'm kind of cool on on everyone they're, uh, they're letting go.
4: Rex Smith says, Fowler is really good. He can stop the run in the pass uh, and the pass rush decently. His problem is his personality. Dude is a locker room cancer.
5: Yeah, miss me with that.
4: I was a, a little surprised, to be honest, about... I tell you this, if we would have signed Dante Feller, I don't know if we would have done what the uh, the Rams did. I saw him a lot in that game. They stuck him in there right away, getting him action in that game. I was really disappointed in the Rams' defensive line because I thought, man, I thought this is the line that is going to ruin Drew Brees, end his career with Aaron Donald. With, what's his name? Who's the the Donkey Kong Sue? And then you add Fowler to this. I thought, man, they're going to eat. And they didn't eat Jack. These guys were skinny and starving in that game. I'm so pissed at them still. And uh, gosh, why couldn't their defense get it done? I'm still mad at Marcus Peters, too, who's over there. Didn't know he wasn't ready. And then Drew Brees goes, hey, that dude is barely even paying attention. Pick on you. And that was the Coleman touchdown where my man goes and picks up the Joe Horn phone. You know, he is getting fined like a mug.
5: Yeah, definitely. Uh, listen, man, this is what I feel. And I know we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, I, uh, listen, uh, don't trust someone else to do what you can do yourself. We we faced New Orleans two times at the end of the season. Um, We face them, then we face Atlanta, and then we face them again. And listen, that's for us to do. I don't want anyone else to do it for us. I want the Saints to go undefeated the rest of the way until we play them, and then I want to slap them in their mouth. That's what I want to do. I'm aggressive with this shit now. I I, I want this team. Keep winning, Saints.
4: Keep winning because we're going to ruin your damn afternoon.
5: I want want to box them up, man. I, I, I like that saying. We're gonna box them up. i want gonna put this Carolina Panthers fist on them, baby. That's well, what we're gonna lock them,
4: like. lock up the vault. It's gonna be a Sunday night game, 8:15. Here, I actually got a question for you, Cody, and a question yeah. for the YouTube chat room. I need a little help. Tony's birthday's coming up on Sunday, November 11th. A lot of people celebrate celebrate it because of uh, the Mayflower Compact, right? November 11th. Armistice Day or Veterans Day, November 11th. But I'm pretty sure that you really should celebrate a lot because Tony Dunn's birthday is there. My wife comes to me and she says, I'm trying to figure out what to do for your birthday. I'm torn, right? And I said, look, I don't really want much. I told her, I was like, I need a new belt. That's what I was like. I need a new belt. She's like, no, I want to do something for you. I said, fine. You really want to do something for me? Send me to the New Year's, well, almost New Year's game, in New Orleans she said that's a lot right she said "I, my <laughs> wife this is how good my wife is she's our she shopped the tickets and she was like I cannot find a plane ticket under 500 bucks so here I got this choice Cody I can get a Dante Jackson jersey or I could go to Sunday Night Football 1217 Panthers play the Saints at home now Like, I love going to games. They're amazing. That would be, as Joey described, as electric. A special game because of a Sunday night game. But they are also remarkably exhausting, remarkably expensive, and Dante Jackson's jersey would look
5: fantastic on me. What do I do? Whoa, man. All right, listen. uh, Shout out to the wife. Cause she's a real one. All right, she, she, she's trying to send your she's trying to send your boy to the bank. All right, shout out to Miss Dunn. Uh, but yeah, dude, listen. If you have the opportunity, okay, think of it this way. Let's say this is the year, man. Let's say this is the year that we bring it home, and the Panthers steal it from the Saints and steal the number one seed in the in the NFC. You're gonna want to say that I was there, man. So I don't know. I think if you have the option to do it, listen, you're gonna have a lot of years to buy a Dante Jackson jersey. This might be uh, uh, the one that Tony Dunn can't miss. So All I don't right. know. That's that's my humble opinion.
4: Get in there in the YouTube chat. I think that's a great argument for Cody. And this is, uh, you know, what you just turned me on to something else, Cody. Is this? <laughs> is I was at the NFC Championship game where the where the Panthers broke Bruce Arians, where they broke the arizona cardinals forever it was amazing it was the most fun experience one of the most fun experience of my life if i could replicate that on this sunday night and then come home on the 18th as dante jackson intercepts the ball for a pick six to win the right? game against new orleans saints i could ask for a dante jackson jersey for christmas
5: there you go man we're optimizing shit over here. That's what we're doing. <laughs> optimizing
4: your yeah. lineup. That's what we're doing like NFL.com does. All right, let's keep pounding with these cat calls. The number's 252
8: 228 Man, how about
3: Vernon Butler on Sunday? He was in Ryan Fitzpatrick's face every single down, running uh-huh. through the gaps, stopping runs all over the field, super hype for Vernon Butler in the future. Keep
4: it. You know, I brought, I wanted to mention this on the post-game show, and I don't know if I did entirely, but it was the defensive tackles Cody played noticeably better in this game. And uh, I saw, and it was hard to tell because uh, Kyle, uh, what I was saying is this, and I'm pretty sure I did say it in the post-game, is that it's nice to see that the Panthers, while Panthers Twitter, and Panthers fan may may have given up on Vernon Butler. It doesn't appear that the coaching staff has yet, much like they would have with a guy who just signed with the Raiders and Coney Ealy. They gave up pretty easily on Coney Ealy after he was a damn, almost a Super Bowl MVP, right? Vernon Butler, yeah. Vernon Butler's getting action, and he's getting action over guys like Don Terry Poe, He's getting action over guys like Kyle Love who play a lot. I won't say over them, but they're carving up reps for him enough. Vernon Butler, are you hoping that we can salvage him as a pick?
5: I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say no. I mean, at the first round. <laughs> Get the day, fuck out of here. We
3: hate you, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah.
5: Get out of here. Uh, I mean, listen. Uh, I mean, at first I thought the caller was being sarcastic because I don't. The, the only way I remember Vernon Butler is uh, when he had a penalty. Uh, I think it was a roughing the passer penalty. And, I mean, that's really the only time that I remember hearing about him. I mean, that maybe I just didn't see him. I mean, there, was was the there was a play. There was
4: a play, Cody, early in that game. I had my wife. You said Mrs. Dunn, who's awesome. She is. Miranda's the best. She's a big Panthers fan. Big, big Tony Dunn fan. Support me the podcast sending me all these Panther gifts all the time. But we were looking at this and we were winding it slow motion it, on the DVR. And I was like, who's that? What's that number? What's that number? We couldn't see it because then they pan the thing away. I'm going to have to go back on the all 22. There was a play early in that game where one of the defensive tackles and it wasn't KK just drove this guy back. Now, did it, did he get to the quarterback? No, no, But, I mean, he just pushed, like we saw Matt Khalil, happen to Matt Khalil all the time, is that when he tried to block somebody, they just manned him up. So I was excited, but I couldn't tell if it was Kyle Love or Vernon Butler. They kind of look, well, actually, I won't say they kind of look the same. I will, you know what, I want to go back and throw a little shade on some Panthers drafter people back in the day who told me I was an idiot but Vernon Butler you look at him guess where he's playing he ain't playing the one technique out there a lot of time. I mean he ain't playing the three technique out there they're putting him beside KK and they're putting him on the one technique I mean, on the one t- technique slide who so many people said he couldn't do it now we actually haven't seen him do it just yet though so in right. fairness to them he hasn't done it But the Panthers are not interested in really putting them in the three technique, it seems.
5: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that's what I wanted to do before the season started. I thought that after Star left, that was going to be Vernon Butler's role to move into. And if he didn't, you know, turn into something in the rest of his time here in Carolina, well, then we were just going to move on and then just have Kyle Love as a backup behind him. Uh, But yeah, man, listen, I remember watching him in in the senior bowl. Uh, watching highlights of him. And I'll tell you what, Vernon Butler was a man amongst boys. I mean, so listen, it's not like he doesn't have potential. I mean, there really is a lot of talent and a few other teams had him as a first round draft pick on their board. So it's not like the dude's a bum and you know what the hell was David Gedman even thinking? I mean, there was a, a mindset behind picking him. But uh, yeah, listen, I want him to turn into a good player for the Panthers. Uh, I do think the one technique is probably going to be where he makes a living. But um, I don't know. I I do want to see more of him. And if he continues to do well and hold up the line, I wouldn't mind his uh, cheaper contract than continuing on with Dontari Poe.
4: Turn your phone to portrait. Smash the thumbs up button. Make sure you hit the notification bell. If you're on Facebook, hit the like. If you're on Periscope, hit the retweet. It helps. Give us a lot of hearts. We like to know that people are listening. And even if you're not listening, you won't hear this. We're going to keep talking because we're in our 40th freaking episode of the season. Six years in. We don't miss a, t- a Tuesday. The number is 252-228-5098. Let's keep pounding with these cat calls. Hey, what's up, C3? It's
9: your boy Nova Black again. Huh? Get him, Nova. So- what? It's a late he brings week, um, real calls. I wanted to take a few moments, maybe a few seconds, to talk about the Pittsburgh game coming up yep. Thursday night. Y'all know I'm gonna be tuned in. Um, I'll definitely try to tune in to the uh, post game show, but um, it's gonna be uh, late I'm as hell. I'm another truck yeah. fan, so of course. Uh, I get the podcast. I listen to the podcast and everything. So I'll, I'll try to make sure I'm done with work early enough to get some rest before the game so I can <laughs> up through True the game the and attend the yeah. post-game show. But I think um, looking at Pittsburgh, and uh, I, I think uh, with, with uh, what that dude, James Conner and uh, Big Ben. Man, there's, I'm telling you, Big Ben is awesome. I've seen that dude who made some of the most amazing comeback, fourth quarter comebacks. Ooh, man! Especially back when they had Palomalu. but it's a new generation now. You know, I don't. They defense, yep. they secondary ain't really that tough. So I feel like we can take advantage of that. Um, as far as some of the matchups, man, woo, we got Bradbury. I hope Bradbury can play a good game, but Antonio Brown. Who's he gonna cover, Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster? You know, I I, I would pre- preferably put Jackson on Brown. Yeah, I know, I know he's a rookie, but still, his his ability to shadow and man coverage, you know, um, is 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 second to none. Uh, Bradbury, on the other hand, you know, we're on the same
4: page, Nova. Uh, we on the same page.
9: <laughs> and Bradbury ain't the you know, Apple number two. So. Um, but who knows what the coaches are going to call. I don't know what we're going to do in the slot. Everybody knows Captain Murray is, is really a, a number two slot receiver. At this point in his career. You I feel know, like he's
4: gotten a little better um, as the season's gone on. on the
9: season's Them tight ends. So, um, from Campbell, kind of, you know. Kind of roughed him up a little bit, but he's he on on some of those cases. Uh, usually, uh, the defense try to use the big nickels against tight ends in, in the slot. Uh, what they, what, what they call it, the Buffalo nickel or something like that. Anyway, um, I kind of like the matchup is going to be a good game, not going to be, uh, so easy to score on like we going to, like we did with the Bucks, but I think, uh, with Christian McCaffrey, uh, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore,
4: Devin Punches. Um, all right, he let, hit the limit. I'm there's a good chance that he's one of these following calls back in there, uh, that we're going to get to in just a moment. What I, what I would say to this is that I think we're really so much on the same page. There is that when it comes to Antonio Brown, I would say this. I don't care who the record corner is, and and even if they're a veteran, that Antonio Brown has the advantage. I don't care, you know, if they're the best veteran in the league. Antonio Brown has the advantage. What Dante Jackson has, though, and what I think has proven so immensely important to his success this season, is that if he doesn't play a play perfectly. He can disguise it with his makeup speed. And you see this on underneath passes where he's able to drop back a little bit deeper. Basically, all the things we were crying about old corners doing is that he can do it and he has the closing speed. I feel like, look, is yes, Antonio Brown will surely make anyone look foolish. Dante Jackson has the speed to not to to wipe that well what i would say is to wipe the egg off his face
5: yeah and you know i find it uh you know not surprising that nova has the same opinion as i do as i feel a lot of us do i I mean when you have antonio brown and 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 you have an entire fan base that's calling for that rookie defensive back to cover him that's when you know you have a good one, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah. You are damn right.
4: We're talking about this. We got the advantage. We put J, uh, Dante Jackson over there than we would have in years past.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, uh, I, I mean, this is what I think. I think uh, that was one of the steals of the draft. I think we picked up a first-round draft pick in the second round. That's how good Dante is playing. I mean, it's insane. Uh, to even believe that this is happening for us. We're not really used to that high the level of cornerback play. Uh, even with Josh Norman, he's much faster than Josh Norman was. And he's oh, better in man, man coverage. He
4: could man, he could run. He could eat a sandwich and outrun. He could make the sandwich while Josh Norman starts the race and then catch up to him. You know, Dante Jackson's already four interceptions, eight games. He's tied. Josh Norman for the most interceptions in a season for the Carolina Panthers secondary for uh, for a corner and he looks to set the record in his rookie year. You bet, man, eight inter, if he's on if he stays on this pace, which he might even increase the pace as we get down into the season and he feels more comfortable, you're talking about maybe eight inter, eight or nine interceptions in the year. That's insanity. He didn't even have – what did you say in the postgame show, Cody? He didn't even have that many in his whole career or something like yeah. that in college. And
5: all of this time at LSU, he didn't have that many interceptions. But he does his first year as a Carolina Panther. The man is for real. But, yeah, yeah that's what I think we should do, man. Put Dante on A.B. And, uh, you know, Juju's kind of a big body receiver himself. And I think Bradbury does better with those types of receivers. Put James Bradbury on him, and let's roll, man.
4: I'll be really interested to see what the Panthers do if the Steelers start motioning these guys a little bit. We talked Brett Coleman earlier in the year talking about how a lot of offenses are motioning receivers across the formation, even small motions, to really get a good feel of what a defense is doing. Sure, These are tricks of the trade that everybody's always done, but it's at a higher level right now. The question is, what happens when the Pittsburgh Steelers move Antonio Brown to the other side of the field? What if they put Juju and Antonio Brown on the same side? How do the Carolina Panthers deal with that? Do we see Dante Jackson trail with him? A lot of talk on this podcast by people like Cody specifically saying the panthers need to get more comfortable playing man-to-man defense now that they have that personnel cody yeah are you are are we going to unveil that against potentially some of the most powerful offensive weapons in the league
5: well it depends on if we have a choice uh we might not have a choice i mean when you're talking about uh we still have to play atlanta and atlanta's four and four and they always play us tough even though we hate them and you know when you have calvin ridley I mean, uh that's you know, who you drop, Dante Jackson to go up against. Yeah, I've I've been saying it. You're right. I wanna see it more man to man. I think that it's uh it's better for your defensive backfield, especially when you have a strong front seven like we have here in Carolina. If they're getting pressure and stopping the run, they're gonna to have to throw the ball. And then if they're having to throw in the tight windows, I mean that's a situation where Dante Jackson and Eric Reed feast, man. I mean that that helps them out. So yeah, I want to see more man to man, and I think for the first time ever, uh, we have the personnel to do it.
4: Eric Reed says that he is, and I'm pretty sure. I hope I got maybe. I I don't know if I put it up. Eric Reed announced though. I had some tweets that I grabbed for the show. Eric Reed's gonna be. He says he will play on Thursday, despite being protected in practice with a with a shoulder injury. We saw him. Uh, kind of uh, favoring that shoulder in that game. He's a big boy. I don't see him. He's a tough one. Eric Reed is tough enough. I don't think this little shoulder injury is going to stop him when the whole league tries to shun this dude. This guy has got some fortitude to him, some substance in him that that can pierce through the noise. We need him to play great in this game. This is what the Panthers really could potentially have been the turnaround moment of this season for this defense, the addition of Eric reed Very excited about that. Let's keep pounding through with these calls right here.
9: Yo, Panther
3: Nation, what's up? It's your boy, Drew. Calling in to talk about that win. Another What's up, Drew? Another great win, four quarters of football. Almost let it slip away at the end. You know how we do, but off to Pittsburgh. <clears throat> My family are Steelers fans, so I really want to win this one. Um, who do you think is going to be covering Antonio Brown, Deshaun? Jackson, or? Uh... <laughs> this is the, the question same thing of the night. That's on everyone's mind.
4: Question of the night. I
2: think we should put Jackson on him. But... Look, look, everybody yeah, yeah. in accordance. Uh, a great win.
4: It'll We
3: this one. Keep pounding.
4: All right. Thank you for calling in the C3 Podcast. The number two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. 252 228 5098. All eyes on the Antonio Brown matchup. People, we're all feeling the same thing. The Panthers, though, have not traditionally been very comfortable in playing man-to-man defense. We'll see how the pay, how the Steelers try to expose this, but with all that talk from our guest of Tony Sereno of talking about how James Conner has been Le'Veon-esque, is that I don't think that you're going to be able to do the type of things that could create, in our favorite word of the week, in the old Pee-wee Herman word of the week, blah! Misdirection, right? That <laughs> Le'Veon Bell could potentially do. I don't know if moving, swinging out James Conner to the, to the flat or or putting him out in a receiving formation creates the same amount of fear that I have when it comes to a Le'Veon Bell, despite how good he's play played to this point. So, to me, all eyes are on Antonio Brown. All eyes are on Juju Smith at Schuster. And I think we have a real, I think, you know what? You're going to have to make James Conner beat us because we got to take away these weapons in the passing
3: game.
5: Yeah, we absolutely have to. And, and, you know, another thing uh, which I I think lends to us saying what we have been about putting Dante on Antonio Brown is that they're similar in size. Uh, Hell, I think Dante might even have an inch on, uh, on no Antonio way. Brown. Good guy. Yeah, Antonio I, I Brown
4: Antonio
5: is Brown's a midget. Five, <laughs> I want to say he's 5'9", and I think Dante Jackson's five foot 5'10". So, uh, I mean, yeah, they're comparable. Um, that, uh, well,
4: Antonio Brown's listed at 5'10 on pro football reference. I'm going to look up Dante. Keep going.
5: Yeah, I think they're both 5'10". So, I mean, yeah, I think it's a better situation. And yeah, man. Listen, all of our uh, all of our Panther faithfuls—they're saying the same thing that uh, it's a, it's a better matchup to put uh, Dante on um, on Antonio Brown. Now the question is, what are our coaches going to do? Are they going to continue to run with Bradbury as the number one corner and just put him on? You know, whoever else. You know, I agree with putting um, with putting. Uh, James on say Julio Jones but Antonio Brown's a little bit different to me. I I, I think this is a matchup. Yeah,
4: this that, isn't uh, Mike Evans. This is not Mike Evans. This is the type of guy right. that toasts a James Bradbury and it's not James Bradbury's fault. If they ask James Bradbury to do too much against Antonio Brown then we're going to start that's going to be the first time I start talking junk about uh Washington, I don't think this is a referendum on James Bradbury. I don't even think it's a celebration of Dante Jackson, even though it kinda is. I think this is just realistic is that this is the type of player that better matches up against an Antonio Brown,
5: yeah, I think so, and I think it's apparent. I hope we do it. you know our coaches have a habit of doing things that uh you know isn't uh. It might be apparent to us, but maybe not so much to them. So, I don't know. Cross your fingers here, so hoping. If they do put Bradbury on AB, I'm not like shaking in my boots. It's going to be in a a zone. It it will be
4: in a zone, right? Is that is that we won't even be? Is that if you see James Bradbury in front of Antonio Brown, don't think of it as James Bradbury against Antonio Brown. Think of it as James Bradbury covering a certain space of the field. Yeah. That's it. Because it would be silly to say this would be to the effect of, if this happens, this is to the level of asking Ben A. Ben Wickery coming off an injury to cover Julio Jones. That is, it was unfair. I still feel bad about what happened to Ben A. Then we tried to talk like my man was out of shape. Imagine if you put a uh, if you put James Bradbury against Antonio Brown in man-to-man coverage. You didn't give a lot of help. You didn't get a pass rush, and then you cut James Bradbury after the game because he got roasted by Antonio Brown. That's what happened to Ben A.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely what happened. And I think he's on the Bengals now. I forget what Jimmy's on he might have been. Yeah, be last on the time Rams. I saw him he yeah. was on
4: the Arizona Cardinals back with uh
5: Wilkes. but uh I thought that was Trey Boston. Ah, uh here, I'll look it up. Yeah, I wanna say I saw him in Oakland. Uh, he this, went this to he saying, went man. to
4: the Cincinnati Bengals initially. He went um right now. Uh, yeah, in 2018. He's with the Cardinals. I don't know if he's still there. He goes Carolina three years. He hit Dallas. I think he was on the practice squad for the Bengals, and now he's with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. He's played. Oh, okay. He's played eight games with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, hasn't started any games. Has a half sack on the season, and uh, one interception on the season.
5: And now, listen. We do have a um, not a dissenter, but someone who has a different opinion in the chat. Deuce Montana says Jackson bites too hard. Dissenter. Though, though, an Ab can run nasty routes. Norman and Bradbury never really have that problem. Um, I disagree. I've seen the bite on some uh, on some routes before. Um, listen, I'll say the Bradbury has been playing better than we thought. Uh, you, would, they, not have have about, you At, would not have said that about
4: you would not have said that about James Bradbury in week two.
5: Yeah well listen I, I know that you know uh, Brandon Herbert a longtime fan of ours uh you know has uh, you know voiced his concerns with Bradbury. I'm not that down on him. Um I, I just think it's a it's a style matchup. Dante is better to go against someone similar in height and similar in speed. In fact, I'm pretty it's sure about quickness yeah, I'm pretty sure Dante is faster than Antonio Brown. So, yeah, that that's what that is, man.
4: I agree. I think we're on the same page. Let's keep going. Hey, guys,
8: this is Justin again. I always forget something that I don't want to say. I <laughs> call back. Um, what about Greg Olsen? Looking like OJ yeah. out there, man. One-handed catch. That was, God, I love that guy. <laughs> Me too. Yes, and, uh,
3: God, I love that dude. Me uh, too. McCaffrey,
8: look that one defender, man. That was beautiful. Gracious. Yep. I just don't know what to say about those two guys, man.
4: Thank you. I think we can play like you're playing,
8: and uh, stop taking our foot off the gas. Get the ball to his guy, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I know that uh, one thing that kind of I've noticed is talking, listening to some of these um sportscasters and talking about the NFC. You know, one of them was talking about Washington. Don't sleep on Washington. Ain't nobody, uh, nobody's really saying anything about the Panthers. I guess that kind of I don't know. It it surprises me, you know, because uh Let I think a, we could be contending for the uh, NFC championship. I mean I really, really do. I think this but, Thursday
4: uh, tells us if we are pretending people talking
8: about it. Maybe but, not
4: uh, pretenders. Anyways.
3: Talk to y'all soon.
4: I think this, Cody, is I think we learned so much Thursday night. I think if we lose this game on Thursday night, do I think that it tells us that we are pretenders? No. I think there's still a lot of football to go. The Panthers have put themselves in a great position. But if you go on the road, you go into Pittsburgh and you win this game, boy, does it tell us a lot of things we want to hear about this team.
1: Oh,
5: absolutely. I mean, listen, this is a big matchup. And I know I've already said it. I'm not going to keep on repeating myself. But what I will say is this, um, you know, I mean, the, the games at this time of the year, they're important. Because, okay, where would you rather play the Saints? Let's say it's another scenario as last year was. You know, uh, let's say we played them twice, but then we ended up having to play them a third time in the playoffs. Do you want to play them here at home or in the Superdome? I want them here. I want to give them a taste of their own medicine. I want to win the the
4: division. That's what I want. I want to win the division no matter what.
5: Yeah, we we need to win the division. I absolutely want uh uh to have playoff games here in Charlotte. I want to go to them. Uh, Listen, uh, you have to have that, man. I mean, is it possible to go on the road and win out and go to the Super Bowl? Yes, but that's that's tough to do. And games like this Thursday, I mean, that's where you make your money, man.
4: Deuce Montana.
5: Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. I have a, a little bit of breaking news here. Uh the uh Des Bryant is negotiating a deal with the Saints oh. after
4: working out with them. Good. Good. Let them have Des Bryant. That's gonna ruin. Yeah, let have them. Them. That's gonna ruin your offense. Who would have thought that the Saints, out of all the freaking positions they needed, was a damn receiver? Right. I know, man. Whatever. I wonder my Ted Gin must be hurt, but that's not a replacement for Ted Ginn. Yeah, he's not a speed receiver. He's Uh, a jump uh, ball receiver. Uh, Deuce Montem deserves uh, a little tip of the cap for his. He is pointing out this. as He said, look, when he's talking about the Dante Jackson biting on fakes, he's saying, remember, my man got bit on a – he bit on a damn Russell Shepard fake against the (laughs) Giants. And
5: and it's his first season, man. It's his first season. B Amos eighty five
4: comes in and (laughs) and says, "Damn, not Russell, yo. That (laughs) mess is tough right there." Point made. Point taken. Touche. Respect, sir. Now I will want to say this is that the caller mentioned uh, how great Christian McCaffrey was playing Cody. You're going to have to check it out on your other screen here. I'm about to play the Chris, the greatest, one of the greatest tweets by the Panthers' social media account. And this is Christian McCaffrey and his superpower. Get
5: the ball to his guy, Christian McCaffrey.
7: Woo! Wow. That's
4: going to be awesome.
6: Yeah. Boom. Boom. Boy.
4: I tell you what, is that you make a uh, superpower video like that. I tell you, if you play the real one, Cody. If I'm gonna go and play the real video, when he jumps and hurdles that dude, he don't just hurdle him; he kind of glides like forward. Really impressive, Christian McCaffrey. Each and every week, getting remarkable. He's becoming more and more special each and every week.
5: Yeah, man, our our football team is the X Man, dude. Yeah. Uh, that's that that's that's real. Let me tell you what. North dude,
4: Turner uh, is is North Turner Professor X. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, he might be, huh? And uh, uh, Cam Newton's the juggernaut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but listen, I'm, um, I-, I love what the what the Panthers' uh, social media team does. Uh, did you see the one? Uh, I think it was uh, yeah after Baltimore they had Luke turn into the Hulk and he was stomping on the ground. I haven't seen that up. one. Yo, dude, it was awesome. Or Our social media team, they're doing the most, okay? I love it. I love... I can't wait to see what they're going to do after we beat Pittsburgh. How about that?
4: Yeah, shout-out to our social media team. Also, shout-out to Burger King UK social media team. Today, Kanye West tweeted that McDonald's was his favorite restaurant, and Burger King slides up in there and goes... That explains a
5: lot. <laughs> I saw that. I don't I like Burger
4: King one bit. But boy, they went up in my business. They went up a little bit more in that. All right, two more calls and we had it.
8: What's up, guys? This is Justin. Oh, Charleston, this is him. South Carolina again. Hey, that was a that was a great game. These are and after the
7: game from Sunday.
8: That first quarter and even into the second quarter. Um, you know, definitely, I think that we did take our foot off the gas once again. Um, not really sure, uh, you know, why. Um, also, too, I think the defense. Um, you know, I think the defense plays to the offense when when they take their foot off the gas. Both t- both sides of the ball, it, it happens too. I really think um, we need to look into that. Um, to figure out what the deal is there but yeah they uh both sides of the ball play to each other i've noticed that um i can tell you one thing we we take our foot off the gas on thursday night against the steelers and that might be a different outcome we got to watch out for that but uh man it was so good watching curtis samuel and dj moore just coming into their game um dante jackson i i mean i think he's gonna end up being just as good or better than norman i'm really excited about oh yeah oh, he's yeah. a great cornerback um I'm, I'm starting to change my mind a little bit about bradbury i not like him very much but uh <laughs> bradbury i think he's a he's a late bloomer man i know he's uh, in his third year with us but uh uh, he's not gonna, he, he's not gonna have no break either this week yeah you know, he's, he's probably going to be covering Ant- antonio brown um but uh yeah excited about it um um yeah keep pounding look forward to talking to you again Dante
4: Jackson been amazing. We're gonna to get to that. Thanks for that call. We're gonna keep going through. We got one last call, and then we're gonna get. We still got a couple of clips we gotta play in our hey ice. Hey guys, picks.
8: this is
3: Mel uh, calling in. I missed the show on Sunday, and uh, just wanted to call in before the show tonight just to say that game against the Bucks was pretty good, especially that first half. I think that was like the best first half of uh, football I've seen from the Panthers. Ever.
4: Period. Period. Um, I agree.
3: This game yeah. Thursday is going to be probably the biggest test of the year until the Saints, of course, week 15. But uh, if we can come out, show out on Thursday, and show that we belong in the conversation for Super Bowl contenders, then I think a lot of teams will be afraid, and I think we'll get some resp- a, a bit more respect, the yeah. respect that we deserve uh Especially this year. That's the only scary thing about to me,
4: Cody, that's the only scary thing about winning this game is that all of a sudden we hit the limelight. Yeah. You know?
5: I mean but but listen though, I'm not I'm not afraid of that. We have to win under any scenario. You know, I've even said this before. I like playing the underdog role when no one's respecting us. I like that tip on our shoulder. Okay, but now what are we gonna do when the limelight is on us and everyone's looking at us? and everyone's saying that we're a contender to win the NFC South and maybe even represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. What happens when those are the expectations from the national media on us? Are we going to crumble or are we going to rise to the occasion? I mean, I want to know that this Panthers team can win every test that's put on them, and I have more faith in this team to be able to do that than any previous.
4: So many people been interested in Dante Jackson in this matchup. I got to do it. We, I thought we were going to be so pressed for time. We are pressed for time. The podcast just keeps going on and going. Here's, Cody, you're going to have to turn in your alternate audio to hear this and see this. Brian Baldinger on Dante Jackson.
7: After today, 6-2. and two. Let me That's see. I got to hit the Dante. Yeah, yeah, we
5: might as well play it. We've talked about him point. pretty much the whole show.
7: Right here. He's the force. He can't let anybody get outside, including Peyton Barber, when he bounces us to the outside. But you know what? They don't get outside, Dante Jackson. He's got too much speed, and the kid can flat-out tackle. He doesn't miss in the open field. That guy has got juice. All right, now, let's watch him here against another D-Jack. D-Jack against D-Jack. Here comes the pick, all right? But he ain't afraid to get his hands on D-Jack. He's going to get over the top on this. All right. They're going to get the pick. They're going to get the rub. They're going to get the completion. But he's also going to get the tackle. WWE style. Excellent in the open field. All right. Now let's watch him here. All right. Here he goes. He's got to expand on third and three. But watch him put this left foot in the ground right there. The ball's coming out to Cameron Brake. There's the first down marker at the 35. Puts that left foot in the ground and then... The speed is on, the closing speed. Now, Cameron breaks 250 pounds. Dante Jackson, I don't know, 175 man. pounds before the pregame. This was year. such a great
4: play now, by Dante Jackson. does a great James.
7: job of trying to reach for the line. It's questionable. This kid knows exactly where the down marker is. Got the fist in the air. That's fourth down stop in his book. But this is what makes the kid special. Let's watch this on the outside. How many guys, this is late in the fourth quarter, 42-28 game. He's got the best back pedal in right. the whole history of the world. Here's Jackson. Jackson on Jackson, right here. Yeah. Now, how many corners can Run. just get in the open freeways and stay with this guy? Nobody. Not just stay with him, but turn his head and go up and make the play on the ball. Now. Nasty. Let's just watch this here. Because you hear about it all the time. Let's just watch it from... Fitz end zone here. Balls up. How many guys don't go find the football? They can't James find the Bradbury. football. They don't know how to play the football. <laughs> Dante <laughs> Jackson knows how to play the football.
4: Thanks oh man. Oh, it's so good. It was it's fantastic is that it's crazy that we get to talk about him. I felt I told you before the show I didn't think we were going to be able to play that clip. Uh we shouldn't have just because of time. But Dante Jackson deserves all of it. I say everybody calls him Dante Action Jackson after that play when it came to DJ. How about this? What about when Deshaun Jackson is out there and all of a sudden Dante Jackson becomes the real DJx?
5: Yeah, he just, yeah, not only did he take that football away from him, he took him, his damn he name. He that name too, boy. <laughs> oh. listen, man. Listen, I, I, I've been trying to step up my analyst game and how I watch these football players. I've been saying, man, it's not just the speed on Dante. It's the instincts. He knows where the play is going. He knows when he needs to shift one direction to another. Man is football smart. So you combine the physicality and the intelligence. I'm telling you, man, that man is uh, already one of, if not the best corner that the Panthers have ever had. In his first year, he hasn't even played the whole season yet.
4: I just hope, man, just keep it up, Dante. Just keep it up. But I tell you this, as you took the football from him and you stole my man's nickname all in one game. To me, that's the truth, as Cody Lashney says. Took it and then
5: dared him to do something about it. God, that's the truth. All (laughs) right, uh, let's see.
4: Last thing I think we do have to talk about. And it just is going to be kind of what we're going to be. This is uh, M- CamVP. CamVP um, watch each and every week as we go forward. And I promise you this. I promise you that the Chiefs are going to cool. I Well, I don't promise it. I actually think they're going to cool. And I think Patrick Mahomes will cool off and reality will hit him. I think there is an opportunity we saw... That the I think man Drew Brees is probably going to creep up in the conversation as things go on and on and on in this. Yeah, uh, Cam Newton deserves to be in that that conversation. Let's hear. You sent me this clip, Cody. Chris Sims. He was mentioned earlier in an. Uh, do you remember when that dude Justin Palowski was having a breakdown about how they drafted Cadillac Williams because they thought that Chris Sims was the truth. Well, yeah. Chris Sims, we brought him in because he's speaking
5: the truth. Yeah, they may not like him, but we love him. <laughs> the blame
0: disrespect of Cam Newton has to stop now. Cam is constantly left off top QB list because he doesn't have the sexiest stats. But he puts just as much pressure on a defense as Brady, Rodgers, or Mahomes. Newton makes opponents defend the entire field, which forces their schemes to be basic. He can launch a 50-yard rocket, plow straight between the tackles, run the read option, or hit you with about 10 other things. He's the catalyst for Carolina's one-of-a-kind offense even if the passer rating isn't pretty. No one cares about Cam's O-line
1: issues. They just expect him to hit his targets,
0: with pass rushers draped all over him. If any other former MVP had a career-best completion percentage and a 5-2 record, we'd be talking them up every week. And In the world of fantasy stats and inflated numbers, we can't forget Cam Newton is a special player.
4: Way to go, Chris Sims. For... That's
5: it, man. That's it. Chris Sims said in sixty seconds what we have been saying for
4: years. <laughs> True that. All right, I think that brings us to the point that we have to. That we just need to mention this: is that Cam Newton's having one of those years. Him and Ken, and Norv are feeling it together. I think that this has been, you know, Panther nasty. I'm going to say this: is that two of my favorite moves. I take a lot of credit for liking these calls but sometimes I just trust certain people that I know and the way that we watch football together. One is the first fantasy football champion of the C3 Fantasy Football League, Susan Tucker, who is a huge South Carolina Gamecocks fan and she said when uh, Demir Bird was coming out of South Carolina, she said, you guys gotta get him. And I started looking and I was like, I believe you Susan, I trust you. I went all in. Tweet, tweet. Chirp, chirp. Baby bird, fly. Right? And then, Panther Nasty has been saying for years, North Turner was the answer. He is the truth. And boy panther nasty caught it right i bought in right away to what panther nasty said i know that my man knows cam newton he knows this offense he knows our personnel and since he lives on the west coast he knows north turner a little bit better than we do and he ain't 19 and 19 year olds thought that north turner was a busted ass old man and y'all i love it baby I love it I love it baby baby it's great it's real what's
5: up baby
4: <laughs> fantastic way to go that's the truth there that's the show. dude all we got left Cody we have actually trimmed the show down surprisingly even though it keeps going we've done a ton We've previewed the game against the Steelers. We've talked about the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We played an immense amount of calls. We featured their comments in the chat room. What do we got left? I think there's one segment to go. You already know. We got to ice these mugs off. All right. Cody, I'm going to go first tonight. Go ahead, man. I am ready. I'm icing up some buster. I don't know who he is. His name is Jared Stillman. He is some, I think he works in like Nashville or Tennessee. It seems like Tennessee people got a huge problem with Cam Newton. And when it comes to his swag, his sauce, his drip. Am I, man? Yeah, did he rub it in a little bit much? But y'all mugs made him do it. Your fault, Tampa Bay. You bit on that so hard on that fake. You know he's the greatest goal line threat in potentially the history of the NFL, especially as a quarterback, and you refused to acknowledge it. On top of that, he did you a favor by running the clock down on that play. Kevin Newton's drip and sauce continued in that game where he got a first down on his cadence game. His cadence game is
5: for real. Ready? Wait, wait. What up? <laughs> wait <up>. oh.
4: <laughs> it's amazing.
5: Yeah, we do it no
4: justice. <laughs> None. But my man, it's awesome. I'm cheering it. It's I've deadly. Been, though. I've been saying it for years now Jared Stillman comes out here he's a salty ass Nashville fan much like I bet you his girlfriend's a lady who wrote the letter about Cam Newton dabbing on y'all and yeah. Jared Stillman who is an ESPN whatever he's a radio guy and you know what I don't even give credit to local radio look first of all I love local Charlotte radio what I'm saying is this just because you got an ESPN moniker beside your name so does David Newton So what does that tell you? Yeah,
5: that means nothing. So does David.
4: Nothing in the world. This is his tweet. Good to see Cam Newton showboating again. I'll be sure to remember this when he starts complaining and acting like a crybaby when things don't go his way. Well, I say to you, Jared Stillman, ice the fuck up. Oh, I dropped that bomb. <laughs> Sorry, children, if you're listening, I'm so pissed right now because yeah, did Cam lay it in on thick in that? Yes, he did. Did he showboat in? Yes, he did. Even my wife, who you know is cool, because you've heard about what she gives away for birthday presents to Panther fans, she straight up said, "Damn, Cam, that was a bit much. It was a tad much, but <laughs> it was a tad much." But here's the thing, if you think of the context, you got faked out so much. Imagine if somebody just broke your damn ankle. You deserve it a little bit. And to you, you, Jared Stillman. Get the hell. Get Cam Newton's name out your mouth.
5: Get the hell out of my timeline, man. And Ice up. Ice them up, old salty-ass writers. I swear, man, the hate that Cam Newton gets for nothing is your You bitch-ass David Newton.
4: You fake-ass, you, ba- you barely David Newton. barely David <laughs> Newton.
5: All right, man, so, uh, you know, if you've been following my ice-up picks, uh, I like to ice up stupid because there's so much to go around in America that it's just easy and it's fun for us all. And tonight we're uh, icing up. Better Call Saul actor Todd LaTourette. And in 2001, Todd, who has bipolar disorder, was off his medication. And it got so bad, homeboy cut off his own arm. Now, I don't know what goes through your mind after you have an episode and you decide to cut off your own arm, but I'll tell you what Todd thought. He thought, I'm going to make lemonade out of lemons. And I'm going to be an actor, baby. I'm going to Hollywood. But not only did he decide to become an actor, he lied to everyone and told everyone that he lost his arm while serving in the military in Iraq. And not only was he uh, uh, an actor, he was on big-time TV shows. He was on Better Call Saul. I mean, he's had some real roles out in Hollywood, man. And this... Man bamboozled everyone and then lied about serving our country in the military, dude. What a loser, in my opinion, man. What do they call
4: that when you steal, when you fake being in the military and you wear something it's like hero, something? There's a term for it. How
5: you cut your damn
4: arm off?
5: And then be like, arm off, and then said, "You know what? I can use this." Yeah, I I can turn this into something. You know
4: what? Good for my man right there. My man damn played it. He said, yes, is that. He woke up with no arm and he said, how I make good out of this.
5: Yeah, man. (laughs) He said, uh, how how am I going to take these lemons and turn them into lemonade? But listen, man, do you know what else goes with lemonade? A nice pitcher of ice. And you can ice up Todd LaTorette. Woo wee!
4: What a show tonight! It has been a tremendous time here. I told my wife before I did the show. I was feeling it. I was feeling salty. I was feeling ready, and I think we brought it, Cody. Been one of the We're better, dead. one of the better shows. We had a great guest, Tony Serino, Locked on Steelers podcast. Fantastic calls on the cat calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. We want to hear you on Thursday because we're going to stay up late. We're going to do this after game. We're going to do the post-game show and we're going to celebrate the Panthers making a statement going forward. My name's Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. It's brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. You've heard me tell you, like it. Smash the bell. Smash the thumbs up. Share the show. Grow Panther Nation with us. And follow Cody Lashney. Cody, tell him what your Twitter handle is.
5: At Cody Lashney. C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. I love to rap about anything and everything. Man, just hit me up. We'll talk about whatever, man.
4: Thursday night. Panthers. Statement. On the road. Against the Steelers. And we're going to chop it up right after the game. I want to hear from you folks as we celebrate or we mourn. Either way, we are in it together, Panther Nation. C3 fam for life. See you then. Keep pounding.